You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Ah, got him. That should keep the first order off our backs. Nice work, Paul. Tim, are we set to make the jump? Yep. The end of the prime in accordance with the rendezvous are set. All right. Strap in and let's get this intel delivered to the resistance. Punch it! You're listening to Star Wars. The saga continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery, Tim Jirasi, and Paul Herman, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hello there, Star Wars fans. We are back. Welcome to another episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news, rumors, and updates on The Bad Batch, The Book of Boba Fett, Star Wars Visions, and all the other cool and exciting projects coming up in the Star Wars universe. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Tim and Paul. How's it going, guys? Yes, we're still alive. We've just been in perfect hibernation, so <laughs> it's good to be back. Ooh, we like have that. hibernation sickness. <laughs> uh, but yeah, definitely yeah, good to no, be out of that hibernation and talking Star Wars again, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. We've, we've been trying to schedule this thing forever, man. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's funny. We don't have a lot, lot to talk about in a sense, but, but it's just been, it's been good. It'll be good to kind of get it all out because lots of stuff to talk about at least with the bad batch and kind of you know just kind of go over that and a few little snippets here and there but yeah this is going to be a fun episode we haven't again i miss you guys i can't wait to kind of talk about more about the bad batch with y'all yeah i mean it's it's been like over a month since we put an episode out and honestly part of that is just because like you said there hasn't been a whole lot of news to talk about recently um there have just been some little things here and there but nothing that's like oh we got to jump on an episode and talk about that uh, we were thinking about recording after E3 and there was absolutely no Star Wars news out of there. So uh, worst uh, that, E3 ever. <laughs> yeah, that didn't end up happening. Now we have EA Play coming up or EA Play Live or whatever they call it coming up later in July. So hopefully we'll get some Star Wars news out of that that we can come back on and talk about. Um, and then, uh, of course, actually, as we're recording this just yesterday, they um, had the panel for uh, Star Wars Visions at like the Anime Expo or whatever. So we'll talk about that a little bit. And then we're just going to jump into talking about some Bad Batch. Um, and, you know, obviously, you know, you guys know we don't usually we don't get on here and talk about every episode. And so that's also why it's like Bad Batch has kind of been the only thing going on right now. Um, and I've been doing my thing over on Rebel Cells with Mike and Joe, and we've been talking about that over there. But Figured we'd just jump on, do a little news recap, and kind of give our thoughts on the season as a whole so far for the Bad Batch as we're about, uh, we're over halfway through the season now. So um, yeah, just good to be back talking Star Wars with you guys again. Um, But yeah, let's just jump into the news real quick. Um, And uh, yeah, I'm sure a lot of you have seen it by now that um, Star Wars Visions had this panel yesterday and they uh, revealed a lot of new details. There's a little trailer slash sizzle reel thing that they showed. Um, showing some like some screenshots and some artwork and interviewing some of the creators that are working on this thing. Um, and as we kind of knew previously, this is going to be like a collection of um, like anime styled, like short films, I guess. 
um, that are all obviously like taking place in the Star Wars universe. Um, but it seems like, and, and people have already kind of started getting into debates over like, is this going to be canon and what's this going to mean story-wise and whatever. But this to me seems very like, like it's an inter- an artistic interpretation of Star Wars and it's these anime creators kind of getting to show um, or do these different interpretations of like their Star Wars vision or, or what Star Wars could look like through that lens. So I'm not too hung up on like, oh, where do these stories take place? Or are they going to be canon or whatever? But it's going to be cool just to see something different, and interesting and a new sort of unique spin on um, what we're used to seeing from Star Wars. But we've got nine different uh, shorts that are going to be coming out. This is coming out in September, uh, September 22nd on Disney Plus. And I guess unlike, you know, The Bad Batch and The Mandalorian, because this is kind of like an anthology collection, it is going to be dropping all at once. Um, so you can oh, binge nice. it. I, I wasn't sure about that, but that's I I what that I <laughs> heard. I don't know if it's here in the press release, but I saw people talking about that on Twitter. Um, I didn't watch the panel myself because I guess you had to like pay or sign up for it or something. Yeah. But um, I'm pretty sure that's going to be the case. Um, so, yeah, you can binge it all in one sitting or watch them one at a time or watch just the ones that appeal to you or whatever. But, um, so they released, uh, you know, they announced all the studios that are working on this. So there's a studio called Kamikaze Duga that's making a short called the duel, uh, one called Gino studio. That's making one called Lop and Ocho, uh, studio Colorado, uh, is making one called Tatooine Rhapsody. Um, and then there's a studio called trigger that's making two, uh, shorts called the twins and the elder, uh, and then one called Kinema Citrus that's doing one called The Village Bride. Um, Science Saru is doing two different stories called Akakiri and T.O.B. One. Um, and then one called Production IG that's uh, doing one called The Ninth Jedi. Um, and I know they talked a little bit in here about like what some of these were about, um, but we're not going to go too much in depth on like all the the press release and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah. just curious, like for for you guys, because for me, I'm I'm honestly like not knowledgeable about anime at all aside from like pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh and stuff that i watched as a kid um and i'm aware of like a few other, i'm aware of a few other ones but like i've never heard of any of these studios or anything um so i'm not like a huge anime fan there's no names or anything here that are familiar to me or get me excited um and generally like i'm, I'm not usually just a fan of the genre but obviously because it's star wars i'm gonna watch it and i am excited to just kind of see um, a different take on, on the star Wars world. And I know, you know, anime has got like a lot of beautiful animation and, and stylized and stuff like yeah. that. So I'm cool to see, uh, I'm interested to see their interpretation of it. My sister's a huge anime fan and she keeps trying to get me into it. And it's like, well, if, you know, if there's any anime stuff that I'm going to watch, it's going to be the star Wars inspired stuff. So maybe this will get <laughs> word, me more into it. Word. I don't know, but we'll see how it turns yeah. out. But, uh, what'd you guys think seeing, um, just this stuff that we got revealed yesterday? I'm going to go on a limb and probably assume that Tim probably is more than to anime than the three of us to combine or no, out of all three of us, maybe between me and Kyle combined probably still likes it more. And and I'm not saying that I, I think it's like beneath me by any means. I just never got into the genre. I just in the last year, I've gotten more into the manga uh, you know, side of things and I've definitely been enjoying that. And obviously Manga and anime are very, very similar. Uh, so I don't see, I could see myself getting more into anime at some point. And I think I, and for, I could, I think I would speak for a lot of people that maybe who haven't seen a lot of anime. This could be a gateway drug for a lot of those people, you know, that maybe could like need to get, you know, don't really care about like anime at this point. This might inspire them to go, oh, anime is actually kind of rad. And I, maybe this could inspire me. So I definitely think on that end that this could be a great thing for this 
that genre of, of animation or, or style or medium, if you will, if you want to call it that. I'm not sure if you could call it anime a medium because animation, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, regardless, uh, I think I, I was very excited about this because one of the things I love about uh, how George Lucas interpreted the EU back in the day was he gave everyone kind of full like creative control, meaning he said, just go crazy. And it's not, you know, basically go crazy, do what you want. He didn't want to give people restrictions for the most part and said, go with it, have fun. And people went nuts with it for, you know, and that obviously you got the EU uh, for the most part. And with that, there is some, you know, good and bad. And, but I love the idea that from what we, me and Tim have talked about, and I know we're, we're not going to go into every detail of the press release, but one of the things that, you know, we talked about was that this is not necessarily canon. This is going to be a very self, you know, just kind of its own, you know, artistic, you know, uh, interpretation of Star Wars through the, you know, lenses of the culture of uh, anime. And I think that's awesome. And one of the things I love about that, it's kind of going back to that, that idea of George Lucas and, and Lucasfilm back in the early 90s or in the mid, late 90s. I'm just kind of like, yeah, do what you want. Like, you know, you know, they'll approve it and say, yeah, you can do that, do that, whatever. But you can't do that, maybe. But yeah, for the most part, people got to do what they wanted. And I think that obviously, and let's be real here. The real reason that Lucasfilm and, and Disney are, are doing this is because they want to get into more of the uh, the Asian culture because right now – they have nothing there like that that those people don't um for, you know, fortunately they just don't they don't have the love of star wars that we do over here in the states and and i know some people do over there but it's just not as big over here they're trying to reach that audience so i think it's amazing that the that they're going with this idea of what how do we reach this culture instead of just saying force feeding them you know here's the force awakens here's here's some you know here, here's a trailer that kind of is supposed to be generated towards you you know force feed it down their throats Let's get. I like the idea of bringing in these different studios that these people connect to already, and giving them full license and creative control, and giving them like Star Wars, you know, through a different lens. And and I love the idea of not having to worry about it canon, in a sense to where again you're giving them Star Wars and what you know it inspires them and what Star Wars can be essentially. And I think that's a key word or key words I should say can be. Because a lot of people it will say like, "What is this kind of? What does that mean?" And, and let me let me maybe let me be clear. I think canon's important. I I do, and I always will fight for more canon, and and the the uh, authenticity of canon. But what we've gotten recently in the last year or so, or a couple of years, are those those new legends books, right? Where they say you know, or myths and fa- myths and fables. I think they're called. Or I forgot the you know, but Star Wars oh, myths yeah, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, it's myths yeah. and fables. Yeah, yeah, myths and fables. They're the same thing. They're not necessarily canon, but they're the kind of loose stories about these characters that are, you know, are that you could eventually tell in a in a movie or a comic book or a book or or, or a more focused book, you could say, you know, through these myths and fables. And it's kind of the same thing, I think, whereas it's gonna be, yeah, like so let's say for instance, right? Let's say one of those one of those shorts really hits with an audience. Like just people just go crazy for it. Whether it be there's like a there's like Sith stuff in there or whatever, right? Let's say one specific story really connects. You don't tell you you're not telling me that they could take that idea of visions and then turn it into a comic series, book series, or a movie or its own animated series and tell a more canonized version of it. No, like mm-hmm. I think there's there's de- that's where I think they're leaving themselves open. This is going to be something that they're it's going to be fun for us to watch. 
And if there is in fact a, uh, something that's going to be really impactful for people that like, people really connect to and love, meaning like, you know, not only the audience and, and, uh, the the anime loving audience and for the uh, Asian culture and things like that. But we're talking like just for uh, regular hardcore Star Wars fans. I think there, that leaves room for them to like either take that directly or it reinterpret it a different way to have it more connect to the canon and have, you know, have you know their cake and eat it too kind of a thing. That's where I'm taking all this from. Maybe I'm thinking too hardly into it, but that's where I'm going with it. I, I really think that honestly is the best way and again, I think this leaves them. It leaves the the people who are creating these shorts the complete, you know, freedom to use Star Wars the way they want to, and not have to worry about anything. And then also that it gives them options for like, hey, if people really love these characters that they're creating, we can then use them or, or whatever in different ways, and then go from there. So this is where I think it's a win win for everybody. And I, I personally, when this was announced, and I'm not even an anime fan, and I remember I even talking about it when we went over with the um, the whole big announcement a couple months ago. I remember saying. I think I'm pretty sure saying I'm really excited about this because this is going to be really the creative side of this is going to be nuts. And I think we got a, a hint of that in this little sneak peek here. And I, I, it only confirms it. So I'm super stoked on this. I'm not a big anime fan, but I'm, I'm a gigantic star Wars fan on honest, obviously. And this is something that I think is going to be really, I, I'm not sure if it's going to be huge for star Wars in a sense of like, it's going to make it this, you know, all of a sudden connect more to the, to the, you know, Asian, you know, audience, overseas but i think it's going to be an impactful thing i think on star wars in general just having a different culture kind of reinterpret it and look at it in a different lens and it's going to i think pay dividends creatively yeah i pretty much agreed everything you said there for especially about regarding the canon of it and how if there is something that just really connects with the audience or just a really great story i think i was thinking the same thing actually where there probably is room an opportunity for it to be developed or put into the main canon timeline if they wanted to and just take the elements and the core story and characters from that and put it into the actual canon timeline. I was thinking the exact same thing because I do think for this type of Star Wars storytelling, it probably is best that they are allowing the creators just to have their own creative freedom and not having to worry about it uh, being in canon or following the timeline and the chronology of it. So I think that was a smart move to do that, especially after seeing that trailer or the sizzle reel and some of the designs and the stories that they're doing. So I think that was definitely a smart move and kind of a good way to go about it. But um, yeah, I'm excited for this because um, I do love anime and just the art style of it. But at the same time, I would never call myself a diehard anime fan because I don't watch a lot of series or too, too many of the movies. I mean, the only one I'm a diehard fan of is the Dragon Ball franchise. And then just a few the movies like Princess Mononoke is a classic that I really love. So um, I wouldn't call myself a diehard anime fan, but I just love the art style of a- anime. And so when I found out that Star Wars was going to be doing something like that, I just couldn't wait to see um, what type of marriage that would bring between the two. And so far, it's looking really cool. And for the most part, and it's really reminded me a lot I think I said this when it was first announced of the Batman Gotham Knights anime movie that was released back in 2008, where they had a few different anime studios do their own interpretations of Batman. But yeah, that one kind of followed a a through line story throughout those shorts. I don't think this is going to be the case with Star Wars Visions, but just getting those different anime styles in kind of one collection is having the same vibe of the two. And Another thing that's reminded me of the Star Wars Visions and the Batman Gotham Knight is that 
just basing off the little snippets of we got in that sizzle reel, there are some stories and designs that look awesome that I can't wait to see. And then there's some that I saw. I was like, oh, we'll just we'll wait and t- to see to give final judgment as far as yeah, what I think about yeah, it. So I agree I'm, on that one. Yeah, not yeah. too excited about, but um, there's some that has me really excited where I can't wait to see one in particular. And the one that I'm just really anxious to see from a story and um, animation style is the one called the twins where they're kind of doing the reverse take on Luke and Leia where there's these two twins that are strong in the force, but they're being trained as Sith and with the dark side and kind of seeing, I guess, which one is going to be the stronger Sith and just seeing the character designs and some of the costumes that kind of looks like Inquisitor designs, but in the anime style, it looks really cool. So that one was a standout to me that from a story wise and animation style, I think that's the one I'm most anticipating um, to see when this collection comes out. But then another one that looks really cool is I believe it's the one that's called the duel where this one looks like to me anyways, really following the traditional anime style and just really going for that Japanese culture and samurai type storytelling where I believe that's the one that's going to be all in black and white except for the blades of the lifesavers when they ignite and have the battles. And oh, that can make for a, a really cool visual. Um, so those two sound really cool. But then you got ones like Tatooine Rhapsody, which they're describing as a rock opera in Star Wars. And the animation style is kind of, to me anyway, geared towards more like a young kid's audience. So um, it's again, it's good to have variety, but there's going to be some you're more excited for than others. And those type of stories like Tatooine Rhapsody is the one that's kind of at the bottom of my list, but I'll still be anxious to check out and see how it is. But um, yeah, so I'm excited for it. Glad it's only a couple of months away in September, so we don't have to wait too long to get more new Star Wars content after the Bad Batch over is over. And it's going to be Star Wars storytelling like never before. And that's always an exciting thing where we're getting uh, new yeah. Star Wars stories being told like that. Yeah. Definitely. And one thing too, to, and one thing to add too is uh, I think it's interesting is the fact that after the bad batch, it's not going to be too long after, you know, this. So yeah. it's going to be, it's going to be that whole thing at like Marvel where there's not really going to be a lot of gaps between releases. So basically we're almost going to be privy to like year round star Wars, like year round Marvel essentially. Yeah, we're getting Besides, so close to that. <laughs> I know. I mean like pretty much like it's going to be right after uh, the bad batch is going to be visions right after the visions. It's going to be what book and, Book of Boba, probably. Oh, or, 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 <laughs> I mean, no. Well, this is, I mean, this is coming out all at once in September, and then sure, Book of Boba sure. doesn't come out till December, so there's going to be a little break there. But yeah, it's, I mean, still, it is nice to just. Um, I mean, this will be a nice little gap filler between yeah. Bad Batch and Book of Boba. Well, one quick question for you guys: Is it now when they say shorts? Do you think it's going to be like five minutes long, something like that? Or are they going to be like twenty minutes long? You think? I'm kind of hoping it's like 20 minutes because they're being described as like short, short films. films. Yeah. 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 yeah I'm, I'm imagining probably like 10 to 20 minutes each. There might be some that are shorter. Um, in fact, honestly, I mean, with, with all nine of these, I would imagine like they, they might run anywhere from like five to 20 minutes each. Um, yeah. Ooh. but I mean, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's cool to see them get to play with this in this style. Now, Tim, you were talking about the duel being one that was supposed to be like black and white, but I thought that was the one where, um, cause in some of the screenshots and stuff, we see one where there's like a Jedi who looks like he's confronting like an old guy with these two little like red dagger looking lightsabers. Um, 
And I thought that was supposed to be that one, but I could be wrong. But then there was, there was another like screenshot from that where it looks like they're in like the opening of a Star Destroyer hangar, but then there's like the Japanese like cherry blossom trees and mountains mm. and stuff in the background outside. And that looked really cool. Um, so again, like you said, even just from the brief like screenshots and stuff that we got, I'd have to go back and watch the sizzle reel again, but I don't even know if there was any like moving animated footage in there or if it was all just images. But um, yeah, some of them, it was just kind of like, and I don't know if that really gets me excited. Some of it was like, I'd have to see more, or just wait and see. And there were some that was like, wow, that looks gorgeous. Or that looks really cool. And I can't wait to see that one. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, when this comes out, which ones are, uh, you know, our favorites and which ones really get people talking. Oh, but I was going to say, I mean, for, for one thing, it's nice to see them really fully dive into this because ever since, um, well, there, I mean, there's been a couple uh, like anime inspired Star Wars things. I mean, like you were talking about, Paul, there's like, um, some Star Wars manga adaptations out there. Um, but there's also, I'm sure you guys have probably seen this. There's like a, a fan made anime short that somebody made on YouTube a few years ago. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah that like that cool. space it battle, great too. like, like a rogue squadron style space battle between a rebel and Imperial yeah. fleet, um, that was done in an, in anime style. And that was really cool. Um, Old school then, anime style. Uh, yeah. And then even with stuff like, um, like the galaxy of adventures shorts, um, and how that's, I don't know if you'd really consider that anime, but like, it's obviously like some of that animation is like anime influenced and just sort of very, you know, stylized yeah. and everything. And, and people keep clamoring for like, man, I want more of Star Wars in this animation style. So, um, yeah. you know, cool. To and see those are just great kind of, too, by the way. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, and, 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 and so and it, really it's cool, cool to get to see them, uh, just explore that more and, and delve more into, you know, some more unique different animation styles that we don't really get to see but it's also cool just knowing how much uh george lucas was influenced by like japanese films oh, for samurai, sure. samurai yeah. films and kurosawa films um in making the original star wars and so to see that kind of come full circle and now we're seeing uh the influence that star wars has had on these anime creators and get to see them explore that so um i i, I want to add a couple of things and, and i'll be done uh, we can move on to the bad batch but i think you, you touched on something really quick that i think is great and I and I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna go out on a limb and say this. I'm gonna do a little prediction. I think the Star Wars Visions is not gonna be like this giant runaway hit necessarily. I hope it is, but I don't think it's going to. But blah 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 blah. blah. I think it's going to. There is going to be a, a story or two that is going to resonate with Star Wars, where it's going at least it's going to impact the Star Wars characters or something like that going forward to an extent to where it is going to be impactful. Uh, I think that they'll either do more visions or something like that, or it kind of kind of incorporate more of a canon aspect with this animation style potentially going forward. This is I, I just I have this feeling that something like that is going to happen. I, there's going to it's not going to be like I mean I hope it is, but I think it's going there's going to be an impact from the sh- from the series one way or another. And I think that my my money is going to be on. I think one of those stories that like Tim was talking about is probably going to connect with an audience with Star Wars, you know, as us. We're like, oh my god, we need to do something like this, and it's gonna they're gonna they might elaborate more with the with that studio or whatever potentially something like that. I think that there's a lot of room for that in the future, a more canonized version of it. And the last thing I'll say is that you brought up the manga adaptations, and I gotta say I haven't I haven't read all of them, but I've read a few of them, and I have to say. Um, the Lost Stars one, the one that I've, I've read mostly of, that one was really well done. And I, I, if I you like to get that. <laughs> oh, man. I, I highly recommend it. You're a big comic book guy, Tim. 
I, I love that story too. So oh, <laughs> the like, story is great. The story is great, which I can't really say for all quality of great stories. I, I'm afraid to say, but, but as far as the star Wars goes, but I love that story. And I think the, the manga version, even it makes it even better to be quite honest. I, I, I'm a comic book guy, not a prose guy. That's the way I'm always going to be. And I got to say the, the manga version is blows. I think is like, it, it's visually beautiful. And I think that just a little bit I've looked through, like the Skywalker, I think the Skywalker manga version, just a little I've looked through it, already makes that book way better than what the book was, to be quite honest. And I think that's maybe where they should have went with it. And I, I actually think that the manga stuff they have coming out, like there's that uh, High Republic manga kind of storytelling. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait for that. There's a They're, they're doing a, a manga adaptation of the uh, Guardians of the Wills story that came out by Greg Rucka. I am so Doped for that. So yeah, I forgot about that. That should be yeah, that should be really cool. That story is oh. like kind of made for that. <laughs> no, totally. And Greg Rucka is a phenomenal comic mm. writer. So I mean, it it only makes sense. So I think I guess what I'm saying is that they're definitely trying to to reach that audience. And I and and honestly, it's been great. Like I'm super stoked, and I hope they I hope it is effective, and I do hope that they keep doing this because again, getting Star Wars in a different way is just really cool. And I think that there there's plenty of room for it. And like you said, the Galaxy Adventures. Uh, animation style i would love a longer thing that's like that to be quite honest so the more we get like that the better and i i think star wars visions is maybe just kind of like the first of many things like it to come it but i don't think the visions thing necessarily will be what we'll get i think it's the first of of what an evolving idea of star wars and anime and manga coming forward so i'm really excited about the future with that yeah for sure <clears throat> um yeah, then yeah, like I, I pretty much agree with all that, and it's just interesting to see um, what's going to come of this, how these how these shorts are going to turn out, and then like you said, what potentially could come from that in the future if these are really successful and decide that that's something that they more want to explore. I mean, maybe they'll have one of these studios create a full on Star Wars like anime film or a, a longer ongoing series or something like that um, if this is something that people really take to. Um, but it's also, it's just cool that with Disney plus that we have an avenue for stuff like this, um, for stuff that, you know, isn't Absolutely. as like mainstream or, you know, but if they want to take some artistic liberties and explore a side of star Wars that we've never seen before, um, without having it be a $300 million box office gamble, they can do that now. Um, so long story short, release star Wars detours already. Um, <laughs> but I'd be uh, down for that. <laughs> no, we're good. We don't have to do that. We don't have to. Do that. <laughs> hey, look, look. They gave you your Ewok films, and uh, you know, Ewok films will always be better than Detours. I'm sorry, and, and the animated series, come on, the Ewok, Ewoks and Droids animated series, and all that stuff. Um, just, just let us watch it and decide for ourselves. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I'm again, I'm excited just with the possibilities of of Disney Plus and seeing what kind of Star Wars stuff we could get in the future. Um, of course, we've also still got like. Andor and Kenobi and Book of Boba and Mando season three and all that kind of stuff in production. So next year is going to be a huge year because all four of those things that I just mentioned are going to be out. Um, starting with Book of Boba, of course, in you know December, I'm sure that's going to bleed over into next year. And then all three of those things are going to be coming out at some point next year, I think we can assume. Um, so yeah, no shortage of exciting Star Wars content coming up in the future. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's really all that's been officially announced so far. I mean, there've been some other little rumors and stuff here and there, but we mostly just wanted to, uh, kind of jump into the bad batch and give our thoughts on, um, how the rest of the season has been. I think the last time we all talked, it was like three episodes in, 
Um, yeah. And now we're into uh, now we're 10 episodes in. Of course, we've got uh, Cad Bane is back. Uh, we didn't have that the last time we recorded. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know about you guys. I've been loving it. Um, and still like, like every week, it's not like I have this huge level of hype and excitement like I do for like Clone Wars or Mandalorian or something like that. Um, but I, I'm really enjoying the structure of how every episode like kind of builds on the last, you keep seeing the improved, you know, just character relationships and dynamics. And, and there's a lot of, um, just character development and growth there. And every week we get to see something new every week. The animation just knocks me on my butt with how gorgeous it is. Um, seriously. and I love how, like, I mean, I, I think probably for me so far, my favorite episode of the season has been the uh, the one where Cad Bane shows up and he and Hunter have that standoff. And that was just really cool. And we can talk more about that episode specifically if we want. But um, even like the, the most recent episode where they went to Raxus, like, was not the most exciting, like, story episode. But I feel like even the ones that don't, like, blow you away or don't have a big character reveal or something, they always have some kind of aspect. Um mm-hmm that is really interesting or something that we haven't explored before. And in this case, it was like what happened to the uh, Confederate, like the, the separatist planets when the empire took over. And so just getting to explore that was cool. I mean, we had, that's something we haven't seen on screen before. Um, and of course you had some fun little, you know, chase scenes with the ATTEs and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm loving it. Um, I love the characters. I love the structure of the show. I can't wait to see how the season wraps up. Cause I get the feeling, you know, they, I felt like the first few episodes were kind of taking their time, like laying some groundwork for stuff that was like, you know, again, not like blowing you away at the time, but feeling like it was going to set up for some big payoffs later down the line. Um, and then starting when like Rex showed up and they were on the scrap planet and, you know, uh, Wrecker's chip went off and then Cad Bane showed up and all that. It was like, OK, now the payoffs are starting to come now. You know, we're starting to get some explosions from all these fuses that we've lit. Um, and I'm really, really excited to see what's going to happen for these last few episodes and see where the story is going and see them, uh, you know, what the Kaminoans are up to and what they want Omega for and how things are going to resolve with, you know, Crosshair and the Empire and all that kind of stuff. And then, of course, I'm sure there's going to be more than one season. So seeing what kind of groundwork they lay and where we're going to go in season two. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we can get more into specifics and favorite episodes and different aspects that we want to talk about. But just so far, you know, what are you guys kind of general impressions on where we're at in the season so far? Yeah, Bad Batch has pretty much been everything I hoped it would be when it was announced. Um, just again, being not only just being with these characters that I liked when they first appeared in season seven of the Clone Wars and then getting introduced to new great characters like Omega and then. What I was really excited about, just seeing how the galaxy is dealing with the Empire uh, taking control and just how we see the different sides of that. And that's what I really enjoyed probably the most about the Bad Batch so far. And as you said, each episode gives you a new layer to think about with situations like that. You mentioned the most recent one was Common Ground um, with the Separatist planet being occupied by the, uh, the Empire. But not only this, that, but how with the Bad Batch being mercenaries now – how this particular Echo felt about taking a mission to help a separatist. So just on how they're viewing certain situations too is really interesting. And then just little things too and how you get different sides of how maybe those who want to fight back about the Empire are already trying to figure out ways to do that. Um, in the episode Decommissioned where we found out they're trying to find the head of a tactical droid from the Clone Wars because 
there are those who want to use that now because all their data is revolved around fighting clone troopers. And now clone troopers are serving the empire. So those who want to fight back against them would use that data for any type of tactical um, scenarios or situations that maybe that can benefit them. So all these little things like that, I just find so fascinating and so interesting and just seeing these different sides of characters, planets of the galaxy that are dealing with the empire. It's just, I just eating all that stuff up. It's just really great. Um, but yeah, so, but I really think the series started hitting its stride full, like going pedal to the metal, full blown, just like going all out for some really great Star Wars storytelling when it um, hit episode seven with battle scars, that all the way up to the bounty loss, that whole arc first starting mm -hmm. with Rex showing up, removing their inhibitor chips and being on the planet Bracca from Jedi Fallen Order was really cool. But then seeing how everything played out after that with Crosshair going there, having that reunion episode where they faced each other again. But then you throw in Cad Bane and then you throw in him taking Omega to the first or one of the first cloning facilities that the Kaminoans had. And that blew me away. It's like, I want to know more about that. And just it really cool, more history being revealed about the Kaminoans and their cloning history, that stuff was was really great. And just learning more about Omega, just all this stuff in those four episodes was just really great. So I just think from that point on, it's a series really hit its stride of greatness. I think it's only going to get better once we get to the finale, because these kind of felt like episodes leading up to a finale. But yeah, we still got five more episodes to go. So I can't even imagine <laughs> what's in store for us in these final five episodes. But man, I just been loving it all the way through. Like I said, it's exactly what I was hoping it would be. I'm kind of glad to see too that I've even seen on social media with Star Wars fans who weren't necessarily too excited or happy about the next animated series being about the Bad Batch kind of being surprised about how much they're enjoying it and how they're really Me? liking it. So <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to name names, Paul, but <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Sorry. No, but just, no, it's not just you. I mean, I've seen that a lot. I just really knew that was going to be the case with this series. And I'm just glad that everyone, for the most part, has been enjoying it um, on a week to week basis. So, yeah, it's just been I've been loving it. I just been so excited every Friday to get home and watch it and just be blown away. Like you said, Kyle, yeah. by how beautiful it is, too. It just gets better and better. So mm -hmm. it's pretty much the complete package of what I wanted this series to be. I continue to be amazed at how much I am enjoying the series every single week and how I'm essentially a broken record of saying that every single week. <laughs> and to the point where I just I needed to expect to be just really enjoying this series and just realize how much I love the series. I, mean, I do. I, I love the series. And I, I know I, I realize it because I'm saying it, but it's just really baffling to me because I, I just did not imagine myself being in this position at this point. And that's just kind of a weird thing for me. I'm like, why didn't I like love this before? Or why didn't I anticipate this? I think there's a number of reasons, which I'm going to, I'm going to ask you guys some questions. I love asking questions and hear your guys' answers because, uh, but I want to get into why I just kind of, some of the things I love about this series. And I think one of the, one of the things I love about this is this, I, what, about anything about Star Wars is about enriching the world, mm -hmm. touching on things that I love. And I think that's as much as I, we all want stars being for everybody as far as like inclusive for like non-hardcore fans. It's I'm selfishly always want to be satisfied above everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and when I say that is because when they do things like with the rampage episode, we get the rancor, you know, and 
Oh my God. Like that episode, I, I, my wife has no interest in watching the bad batch, but I said, let's watch this one episode. She's like, really? And then she loved it only because of the baby rancor <laughs> and how adorable that was. And like the, the part where, you know, Wrecker and, and her are just like fighting each other. Yeah. Each other, the yeah. Where they're exhausted. I, I literally laughed out loud. So loud. And I'm like, this is amazing. Like exactly. Like this is, I had no idea I was going to get this. And if you were to tell me, like before, like this is what's gonna happen. I'm like, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. And then, I, and then watching go, this is amazing. I mean, it it really is the execution of the episodes. I think it really outshines the actual premise. And I, and I know that sounds weird to say, but that's kind of what I think the Bad Batch has done. I think on paper, this does not interest me. But and even in the plots themselves, don't always grab me. It's like, okay, cool. But the I think the, the dialogue, the way they're written, the way it's the way it's uh, animated, as far as like the shots and everything, and and just the way they've made me care about everybody, it all works really, really well, and it really shows you that it's all about execution. You can have the greatest plan in the world, and then a horrible, you know, horrible execution, and then you know get different results. And, and the same, same thing kind of goes with I think with this, you know, in the backwards a little bit, right? It's. I mean, I have the most, you know, enriching original premise or engaging premise, but if you execute it the right way, it can be done. You know, you get something that's great. And again, I don't on, again, on paper, this just, this stuff doesn't excite me, but when I watch it, I freaking love it. So it, I'm not sure if that's like the same thing for, you know, that makes sense to anybody else, but it makes sense in my brain. But with all that said, I just, I'm continuing to love series and one thing and this kind of goes into my first question to you guys is i love omega to death like i love this character and i was talking to my buddy sean from the uh mcu fan show and he you know he's a lot more critical of the show than i am i was a little surprised but he brought up he brought up some fair criticisms because one of the things he said to me was you know nothing on the show really happens because the only people that you know basically happens is Omega. Everyone else is kind of the same. There's not really, you know, really, don't really explore a lot of the characters. And I'm like, well, my first response was, well, they're kind of like extremes of, you know, aspects of, of, of what their, you know, roles are. Right. I mean, you have the big dumb idiot, like Wrecker, he's a big, strong guy. You've got the tech, the super smart whizzy guy, you know, who's like, I'm a, I'm a nerd. He has glasses, you know, you have to have glasses, right. You're, you're super smart. Um, you know, so on and so forth, whatever. And I said, yeah, but then I thought about it. I said, you know what? You're right because to an extent, because what, what do we watch, you know, six seasons of the Clone Wars? They're all the same person, but they all got individual, you know, and more, you know, development as their characters. We have to see them kind of grow and everything. Right. So I was like, well, I think that's fair. But I'm like, but I think the show is really about Omega, though, not really about them. He's like, well, it's kind of titled wrong then. Right. I'm like, yeah, well, she's part of the Bad Batch. And I started thinking, mm-hmm. you know, as much. And then again. I love the show and I don't actually necessarily agree completely with what he's saying either. Cause I, I definitely think the show is not necessarily about like them as characters. Cause I just don't, I think I, to be honest, because their roles are so defined, it's almost like you already know their personalities. And I know maybe it's not being fair. Cause again, the argument you could say about, what well, about the six seasons of the clone wars and then all there, you know, you could say the same thing about them. I guess what I'm trying to say before I I'll let you guys kind of answer my question here is I, I don't really necessarily, necessarily see it as a negative. I think the show, I think Omega is by far the focus and she's obviously a part of the bad batch. They, you know, she's a part of their crew. It's been emphasized throughout the series. In fact, lots of episode emphasized the fact that, you know, 
hey, you got to lay low. You know, you know, I thought it was part of the crew. You are. We got to follow orders. They're emphasizing that whole thing. And I get that, like, it could be mis, you know, misnamed, if, if you will. But I really do think Omega is, is, to me, is what it's about. And I have no problem with the way they've kind of handled that whole thing. And I don't really, to be honest, I don't really need episodes explaining, you know, I want a, a, a tech episode. I want a, I need a record episode. I don't need those things. I don't need an Echo episode. Uh, we got the Echo episode in the, in the last season of the Clone Wars or Focus, right? It's all about saving him. And, <laughs> you know, we already got, we, we already kind of know about him. And, and, and again, I'm not saying Sean's wrong for his opinion either, but I just, I feel, I think a lot of people like the Bad Batch that are hardcore Star Wars fans, we don't need that necessarily because we just want enriched Star Wars stories. We like these characters and we, but the bad batch are kind of, we already know we are who we thought they were. Right. Kind of Denny green. Mm. Right. Remember, remember that uh, whole thing, Kyle, uh, maybe, maybe for your time. I don't know, but, uh, <laughs> the bears are who we thought they were. We let off the hook. Uh, but no, the bad batch are who we thought they are. And, and that's fine. I think that there, it kind of goes without saying maybe a little bit more so, and I think the emphasis needs to be on Omega. She's the most interesting character by far. She's amazing. Um, so there's a lot to chew on there. I, I'm just curious. Do you agree with that assessment? Do you want more episodes kind of focusing on their characters? Or do you think you're, you're good kind of knowing what they are as, as they are? So I'll let you guys kind of answer those questions here. I would disagree with that because I think there is a lot of development for the Bad Batch themselves. Um it's kind of more subtle, but here, okay. So there's, uh, there's a few, few aspects to this. First of all, I think in this show, they're already much better developed and much more fleshed out as individual characters than they were in Clone Wars. Um, like their Clone Wars episodes in season seven, you know, they were fun and, you know, they, they were cool characters, but in the Clone Wars, they very much were sort of one note, like almost kind of action movie stereotypes where you've got this elite squad and you've got the the leader and you've got the techie guy and you've got the guy that blows the, the crazy guy that loves blowing stuff up. And you got the, the quiet brooding sniper guy. Um, and in the Clone Wars, it was just kind of like a fun Star Wars spin on those tropes. Um but I mean, you know, again, I, like I was one of those people that was like, mm, are these guys going to be interesting enough to like carry an entire show on their own? Um, and obviously, you know, from the first episode, the focus has been very heavily on Omega. And it was like, oh, this is kind of the 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 twist. You know, this is the um, the baby Yoda of this show, if you will, where it's like, oh, we thought Mandalorian was just going to be uh you know, Mandalorians fighting and criminal underworld and bounty hunters and all that stuff. And then you throw this child in the mix and it's like, oh, so this is like the heart of the story. Um, and Omega is very much the heart of this story, but still just with the the Bad Batch individually, I feel like they're much more fleshed out and much more interesting as characters in this show than they were in Clone Wars. Um, but then in terms of like their character development, I mean, obviously Omega has the most development and the most growth because she's being thrown into all these situations for the first time. And so you see the moments like um, just, you know, her uh, reaction to traveling in space for the first time or being on a planet that has dirt for the first time or, you know, learning and trying to fit in and be useful and be part of the squad and learning to use a weapon and all that kind of stuff. So obviously that is going to kind of come to the forefront just because she's a kid and she's being thrown in with this squad of elite soldiers and they're doing all this kind of stuff that she can't do or has never seen before or has never done before. Um, so it's just going to, it obviously is going to stand out the most that like she has the most to learn and has the most 
growing to do. And also because the Cam and Owens want her and she's this unaltered clone of Django Fett that like the story kind of revolves around her too. Um, but I also think through that, you also see the Bad Batch, like I, I've seen some growth in their characters in terms of their relation to her. Um, mm-hmm. Because the other side of this is, you know, like sort of their um, purpose in all this is that they're just trying to find their way in the galaxy and figure out like, okay, well, we don't want to be part of the Empire, but we can't just keep being part of the Republic because the Republic doesn't exist anymore. And like, what do we do? Like, you know, they're trying to find their place and find where they fit in. Um and obviously taking care of Omega gives them a mission. Um, but, you know, learning and growing through that. I mean, I feel like we've seen that the most with like Hunter and Wrecker. Um, Wrecker developing this very much, you know, sort of loving like big brother type bond with her. And they're eating the Mantel mix together after the missions, which I love, by the way, because I don't know if you guys got any, but like I had that when we went to Galaxy's Edge. And so the yeah, first we had time. A few, you let us have a few wait, tastes of it. Galaxy's Edge? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude, that was like the multicolored popcorn that I got. That's right. No, yeah, That's the Mantel mix. And so the <laughs> first episode that, that they were good. eating that yeah. together, I was like, I was like the meme of Leonardo DiCaprio where he's pointing at the screen. I was like, I've had God. that. Oh, God. See, how great is that? We know what that tastes like. <laughs> yeah, that was That's so true. cool. That's um, true. That's true. But um, yeah, so I mean, I love seeing their bond develop. But then Hunter even, you know, seeing him... Um, kind of struggle through this learning process of being sort of a father figure to her where he's like his main goal is to keep her safe Uh, but we saw this in the last episode where he was like hey you got to sit out the mission because i'm not taking you to this imperial infested planet and so she stays with sid and learns how to play hollow chess and becomes like a whiz at it and is like taking people's money from beating them at at dejeric and hunter comes back he's like hey i told you to lay low and this isn't that and he you know and uh even wrecker you know kind of shoulder bumps him and is like oh wait a you know way to mess up way to get angry at the kid when all she was doing was trying to help help us um and then seeing the resolution at the end of that at the end of the episode where you know they kind of come to uh he he realizes like oh you were actually trying to help us and just be useful and he um he's like okay well if you can beat me then um you know then you can come on the missions again and i really like that because even though you don't see how that resolves i think it's kind of implied like Omega's probably going to beat him because she's been whooping everybody. Um, but I like that, you know, they could have gone one way and had him stand his ground and be like, no, I'm in charge. I'm the adult. Like, you're not safe. You're a kid. You do what I say. Um, but on the other hand, they could have had him just be like, oh, I'm so sorry. You were right. I realize, you know, we're going to just take you all along, like whatever. And and had it be real, like sort of sappy. But I like that they kind of struck this good middle ground of him respecting her enough to be like, I'm going to give you the chance to prove yourself, but also like making her earn it. And is like, hey, you want to be useful? You want to be a part of the squad? All right, let's go. Um, and so, again, so through seeing those relationships um, develop between her and the other members of the squad and seeing them react to like, okay, how do we like, how are we navigating this galaxy? And then what are we doing with this kid? And how do we keep her safe and keep her away from the empire? And she's kind of their mission. Now, I think they've grown and developed as characters because of that. Um, And then also, I think there's also an interesting dynamic between Hunter and Echo that we haven't explored a whole lot yet. But I think this might be sort of a recurring theme down the line where like, you know, they meet Rex and then Rex leaves and says he's got to go join up with some other people. And again, seems like he's already helping, you know, whatever very uh, 
infantile version of the rebellion exists at this point. Like there's no rebel alliance, but there are people that are already trying to fight back against the empire. We know Ahsoka's out there, Bail Organa's out there, you know, some other senators, uh, you know, Mon Mothma and all those guys um, are probably already trying to form some sort of resistance and Rex is already getting involved in that. And uh, Echo is like, hey, we're soldiers. Like if, if there's a fight and, you know, we're obviously against the Empire, they're coming after us. We don't agree with how they're doing things. Um, so like if there's a fight to be fought against the Empire, why aren't we out there? Like we're soldiers. That's what we do. Um, and Hunter being like, well, you know, we're still trying to figure our way around things. Like, I don't know if that's the right place for us to be right now. And obviously, like priority number one is making sure Omega is safe. Um, so just kind of seeing, you know, not only for the Bad Batch as a whole being like, you know, what is our purpose right now, but each of them kind of having different interpretations of that. Um, and again, I know we haven't really had like a whole episode devoted to that, or there hasn't been a big fight about it or anything, but like, it's kind of a slow burn, like, you know, and obviously like five episodes into the first season, they're not going to have some realization and be like, this is what our purpose is. And, and we're super you know, convicted about it. Cause then there goes their character development. Like, I think it's, it's a slow process of them just trying to navigate this and figure it out. Um, I will say one, just in terms of character growth for the bad batch, one thing that I would really like to see them explore is the fact that they're fighting other clone troopers. And we've seen episodes where, you know, clones are after them and they're just like shooting and killing them and not really exploring the repercussions of that. Or like, how do they feel about that? Like, are they conflicted? that they're having to fight their brothers or are they just like, you're all part of the empire now and we're just trying to survive and protect the kids. So we're going to do what we have to do. Um, so I very much would like to have an episode where they just kind of like explore uh, how that's affecting them mentally or just sort of what their, what their thoughts are on that or how they're feeling about it. Although I did think it was well, interesting. See, I, like every time Crosshair shows up with his squad, they're just like blasting people. In fact, even Omega like took out a couple of them with the energy bow. But then in the last episode where they're on Raxus, they were, yeah. stun they were stun blasting yeah. everybody. And so it's mm -hmm. like, wait, are, are we, did they just overnight decide they're not going to shoot him anymore? And we're just stunning them. So again, I, I want an episode where they kind of maybe just have a discussion amongst themselves about that. Um, I have one, I have one thing that, before you add in Tim really quickly, I think, I, I don't know if they have a necessarily a big problem killing the, their brothers, so to speak, because they keep calling them regs. Remember, like that's yeah. what the yeah. record yeah. calling them. So I, I I don't think they have a high. Unless they want to like murder them, they have they they, they not only they love them either. I think they're kind of go either way. That's the way I interpret it as they don't have an affection for them. Like maybe an echo oh. might feel differently, right? Because, right. Exactly. But, yeah. but but yeah. Okay. Anyway, Tim, go ahead. Yeah. And, no, I'm just gonna. I, well, just yeah, just to uh, finish up my thought real yeah. quick. Like I because I, I don't think. Yeah, they're, they're not obviously as like traumatized about it as Rex would be. Like after every battle, they're not going to have a scene like Rex and Ahsoka had at the end of uh, season seven of Clone Wars. But, you know, and, and I think it works because right. they established the whole thing of them like already not having a great relationship with the regs. And even in that first episode when they're like, something's up with these guys and they try to talk to him and he's just, like brushing them off or, you know, is real sort of like rude to them. And they're like, oh, yep, that's regs being regs seems normal to me. Um but still, like the fact that they know that they're being controlled by the chips and that they are all still brothers, even if they're kind of their own separate thing and they don't necessarily get along, get along with them the best. I just want to see uh, them maybe explore that aspect of it a little bit more. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's the one thing that stands out to me where I'm like, I really want to see that aspect of, of sort of their personalities explored more. Um 
But aside from that, I think I think in addition to all the great character development we've seen from Omega, I think through their mission of protecting her and through their developing relationships with her, I think we're getting some really interesting development for the rest of the squad as well. It's just a bit more of a slow burn. Um, but yeah, I would I would disagree with anyone who says like, oh, it's all about Omega and there's no interesting character stuff for the rest of the Bad Batch. Yeah, I would agree with that too. I mean, it's not what we expected, but I think it's even better than what maybe we were expecting to kind of see the growth through these characters through Omega, but even though it is kind of more focused on her and what she's going through. But just real quick, going back to the whole thing with the Bad Batch fighting against other clones. And I agree with you, Kyle. I would love to kind of see that maybe explored more, especially through Echo, um, since he is was a, regu- was a reg. And just to kind of get his mindset to that whole situation, I think would be great too. But in regards to those two different scenarios, because that stood out to me in this last episode where they were all just using their blasters on stun to take out all the clone troopers. And I just kind of took it as it all probably depends on the scenario where if it's in a mission where they're going on, and I think ideally they want to have their blasters set on stun to not kill their brothers. But in that situation with Crosshair and how dire it was, that it really was kind of a life or death situation as far as what they were up against. And maybe it was something where... You know, the having it on stun makes the fire blast rate on the blaster go slower and they couldn't afford to have that when in that situation they were in, just being cornered and surrounded in that ship and to try to escape from Crosshair and the other clones. So I just think maybe the situation dictated on whether or not for that case to have their blaster set on stun or not. But I think ideally for most cases, it would be probably where they want to go in where it's on stun, like we saw in this last episode. At least that's how I took it. But that definitely stood out to me. I kind of appreciated that too where it's like there's still a part of them that doesn't want to take out uh, their fellow brothers even though technically they don't view them as the same being regs but maybe that's a little bit of echo kind (laughs) of rubbing off on them in some way but that was an aspect something i definitely noticed and i would love to see that explored more like you were saying but um yeah i just i totally agree with you what you were saying kyle about disagreeing as far as not being really any character development for the bad batch we have gone it maybe it's not um, how we were expecting it, like I said, because um, I you do kind of notice where there aren't character specific episodes focusing on mainly the Bad Batch, where like you were talking about, Paul, we got the Hunter episode, the Wrecker episode, the Echo episode or the tech episode. We haven't really gotten that. But at the same time, as the series has gone on, I haven't necessarily missed that either. I'm not going, well, I wish we've got one like that. It's just so far we're getting enough to where um, we are seeing the small growth in these characters, even though. Omega really is the focus, but through her, we are seeing um, them grow into different characters as well. And one thing that I noticed, too, is kind of how at the start we were expecting and we still got that Hunter and Omega were kind of going to be the closest relationship between out of the Bad Batch and her, you know, the father daughter relationship and how he's going to do everything he can to protect her. We've gotten that. But I was actually I don't know if you guys felt this way, been a little bit surprised to think that I think we've seen more of. Her relationship grow with Wrecker more so than Hunter and that kind of that big brother, little sister relationship and just how seeing how close they are. Um, that's I wouldn't say we got more of that than her relationship with Hunter, but maybe just the same um, as we've had with uh, her and Hunter and seeing how their bond. But I just, you just see I think I noticed it more with her and Wrecker as far as establishing their close relationship that they've had, and especially in the episode Battle Scars where his inhibitor chip goes off you really saw it on the forefront there but mm-hmm. that's something that stood out to me a little bit as far as 
diving seems to be more in her and Wrecker's relationship than uh, her and Hunter at certain times. Because even when they rescued her from Cad Bane, it was uh, Wrecker, the one who kind of saw her first. And she had that big reaction of seeing and calling him out and seeing his face for the first time. Maybe it's because Hunter was still recovering from being shot. But uh, just some of that. I've noticed as I'm watching these different episodes and just the relationship that her and Wrecker have. Yeah. Well, and Wrecker also gave her her own room. Like he pretty much exactly. Yeah. Is, mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he kind of established the fact of like, he tried to make it, you know, I, I think the, you know, he obviously needed help. He's not the smartest guy, but he, he needed a little bit of direction of like, you know, what she needs and things mm-hmm. like that. And so and it all came from but, him where that's what he wanted to do. Yeah, yeah exactly. And so, I think that's great. That 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 was a real great moment too when he gave, when he gave him making her his her own room and everything. So, yeah. And I, but I thought it was you know I thought the things that he had mentioned to me I thought were interesting because I again I've been looking at bad bats through rose colored glasses and I and that's the only glasses I want to look through things to be quite <laughs> honest. But 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 it was but it was a I think a good assessment to see what someone outside of Star Wars you know who who enjoys Star Wars. And is a fan of it and loves it, but not maybe necessarily the fan that we are. And different perspective, was, you know. And I mm-hmm. thought it was interesting. I'm like, okay, that, I, I think that's fair to be quite honest. Um, and but I, I, but again, I don't necessarily agree with it, and I don't necessarily care if I get like a, a more development on those characters necessarily because I, I care most about Omega to be quite honest. That's all I care about. And I'm in, and everything that I've been getting has been totally blowing me away. And, and you know, to kind of kind of go from there too is uh, you know cad bane's inclusion and i want to ask you guys this too cad bane is great i i, I love cad bane and i'm super excited they brought him back one thing that jumped out to me it was great to see him and toto and all that stuff the voice was off the voice was so weird to me really not, i want i meant to huh. ask you about that because immediately i'm like this is different like and not the the same voice actor but the modulation they had had on the voice is different. It's not as like it's not as like electronic. It's a little bit yeah. more like dry, if you will. You see, to yeah. be honest, I really didn't notice much of a change except for like certain moments here and there. The only one that really stood out to me was like it was real deep. I don't know if it was because of the modulation, but when he was trying to track down Omega on that on that planet where he just goes like by hook or by crook, you're coming with me. It was like a lot deeper than normal that we hear of. And that was the only time where it stood out to me. But other than that, I really didn't notice much of a difference. Maybe that's just me not noticing it, but I, I can't say yeah. that stood out at all. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, I definitely did notice that. Hmm. It didn't bother me necessarily. Um, Cause I think you're right, Paul. Like, I, I think it's just more of Corey Burton's natural voice. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause whatever, whatever effects, they put on it to give him kind of like that low, like, you know, almost like that process sounding voice because he's got like yeah. those tubes on his neck and stuff. It just sounds like whatever, exactly. whatever effect they were using on his voice in Clone Wars, it's like they turned it down by like 30 or 40 percent for bad. Batch. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. But I Which, it might be a story reason for that. It could be. Like maybe I, because he's, it, yeah. It, it could just be the fact that he's maybe a little bit older. Maybe they're they're going for that. Um, maybe they just decided that they wanted to kind of revisit it a little bit since it's been a few years since he's shown up in Clone Wars. And they just decided, you know, hey, is there anything we want to kind of tweak? And they decided that they liked – maybe they decided they liked this version better and didn't want to have it sound so heavily processed. But another thing I noticed is um, – like, and I'd have to go back and compare it with some Clone Wars episodes, but at least in the first episode where he shows up, 
he he also does seem a little bit more um like low key just you know very calm and collected which which he typically is anyway like he just has that demeanor but also like i can picture some clone wars episodes where he's a little bit more animated and like yelling as they're you know having these big shootouts with battle droids and stuff like that um Whereas this one was just him in a very, you know, cool, calm manner, like just having a one-on-one with Hunter. And he didn't really get angry or, or um, you know, really get too loud or anything. So that was another thing. I was like, well, maybe it's just that his his performance is a little more subtle, like just for this episode or this situation. Um, it didn't really bother me. Like it still sounded like Cad Bane. I still thought it was cool, but that was something I noticed. Yeah, and here's the other thing I want to ask you guys. So, and it was great seeing Cad Bane. And I have to say, the episode where him and, um, oh my gosh, Fennec, uh, Fennec Shan were fighting on that planet, which I could have sworn was Cloud City. I was hoping it was, but <laughs> that that just looked phenomenal. You see, One I kind of wonder, I, as, this is just going the speculation as far as maybe the music behind yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. No, how he'd, it did look like Bespin in Cloud City. And you remember like the original story ideas for like Empire Strikes Back and Lando that he was supposed to be a clone. And I wonder if like for any reason, like, hey, maybe we'll take a little bit of that kind of not you storyline where maybe like their first cloning facility was kind of similar to Bespin and (laughs) tying it with Lando and all that. This is some random thought that popped into my head. (laughs) Would not shock me. Would not shock me. But here's my question. And I because remember we talked there was rumors about the Boba Fett and Cad Bane episodes being released. And, um, that was their rumors are just hope, hopeful. (laughs) Yeah. No, no, no. Like there, no, there, there were legit rumors. Like they were legit. Like that was a lot of people who had inside knowledge back in the day said that that Mm. was on the plan. That was on the plan. But then because of Boba Fett film ideas, they scrapped it. And I thought it was interesting because I think they, I think, Again, this is my, this is where my own speculation comes into play, and I'll get to. I have I have a there's a reason I brought this up in the first place in Cad Bane, so bear with me. But you know, but I think maybe there was a plans of maybe having Boba Fett become a different person eventually, not mm. not like retcon it, but like maybe. No, I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah, I think there was maybe something like that potentially. You know, whatever. Which thank God they didn't do, especially in retrospect <laughs> now, right? Yeah, goodness. <laughs> uh, but. All that said, Disney didn't know what they're going to do. I think they were going to release, you know, that was going to be part of the final missions, but I think they didn't want to do that because of Boba Fett. It had a little more of his origin, but that whole thing about Cad Bane training Boba Fett. And then whatever, and then bail, you know, they bailed on that. And we saw some of those things, amazing things in the uh, animated, you know, back in Star Wars Celebration, and where they shot the helmet, and that was a big dent on his helmet, whatever. I started thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This picks up essentially right after Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. Uh, those stories that you could show in Boba Fett and Cad Bane, those could show up now. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. The Bad Batch, right? Yeah. Well, I think, I think there's actually a very good chance of that for several reasons. Yes. And go well, ahead, there's also ahead, one yeah. reason I think it might not happen, which is the fact that the uh the Cad Bane, like Cad Bane's uh standoff with Hunter is basically a shot for shot uh recreation of like a- almost an exact recreation of uh his standoff with Boba in those unused Clone Wars episodes. They basically sure. repurposed that. They were like, "Hey, we didn't get to do this with Boba, so let's bring it back and have him do this with Hunter instead." So I don't think we're going to see 
that's I don't think we're going to see another version of that scene with Boba because they'd have to change it a lot to make it different. So it's not like, oh, it's just the exact same thing with Hunter all over again. Um, sure. But I do think like with the revelation that we got a couple episodes ago that Omega is basically Boba's twin. Mm-hmm. Um, that And I'm interested to, to get more details on that because like she definitely seems younger than Boba. Like Boba would be like yeah, 13, 14 at this point, And Omega seems like she's maybe like nine or 10. Um, and so I'm wondering if they were created at the same time or if they were just created from the same genetic material. But we know that she is an unaltered clone of Jango Fett, just like Boba. Um, and obviously the Kaminoans want her because they want to use her to make more clones and presumably, I don't know, maybe use their, like raise their own clone army against the empire or something like that. Now that the empire is trying to put them out of business and just use conscripts. Um, but you know, obviously it was like they, they had Omega there safe and close to them. And then she left and immediately it's like, no, we need to bring her back because Boba is out there somewhere. We have no idea where he is, but like if, if the bad batch keeps thwarting their attempts and uh, you know, they're like, it's too much trouble to try to get Omega back from the bad batch. What if we did just while we're at it, might as well try to bring Boba in too and use either one of them. So I like that's a way that Boba could get dragged into the story. And then also the fact that they have Fennec Shand and, and Cad Bane and could eventually maybe try to bring other bounty hunters in to try to bring Omega back. That's like another avenue that that Boba and Omega could eventually cross cross paths somehow. Um, yeah, it would just make for course, a very interesting story scenario, too, for Boba. Just maybe thinking it's just a normal bounty job. But then he finds out it's a clone and not only clone, yeah. but pretty much his sister. And just what that'll do to him mentally, too, and just how he views mm-hmm. the whole situation. That could be something, like, really interesting to dive into for his character, especially yeah. just in this early stage of his bounty hunting career, too. Yeah, I, definitely. I, I, guess what I, I guess more of what I was in, implying was the Boba Fett and, and Jango um, training scenes. Remember, he wanted to train Boba because he was like, well, if I'm better – the only way I'm going to find out if I'm better than Django is yeah. to train you to be as good. And mm. that's what I'm wondering. And that's what I'm – those specific things I'm wondering. Now, they can take that shot out. But I don't know if they, I, I think you could have that shot in still, in my opinion, Kyle, and it would work. I guess what I'm trying to say is I wonder if we're still going to get that because Bobo would still be this, roughly the same age at that time. And that, that now that you've introduced Cad Bane into the series – you now could kind of maybe, and now you have established that Omega is Boba's sister. Boba could show up, and you could maybe have a side adventure with Boba and Cad Bane, and how have those episodes already in the bank, and say, or have it released as a separate thing, and say, you know, special Star Wars, you know, Boba Fett episodes, and then whatever, right? I mean, I don't know. You could you, whatever way you want to do, but I think it's a very, I think it's a very good chance we get those episodes now. To be quite honest, because. They're already there to mine, and you could easily just put it out there. I mean, I guess you could say yeah. that too about the, the crystals of Kristoff or whatever that one episode that crystals of Kristoff is. But uh, the, the one that's on the, the oh no, the, 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 the crisis on Utapau. Yeah, 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 yeah. You could do that. With, they could have done that with crisis on Utapau. They didn't, but um, yeah. But I, but the Boba Fett stuff because of, of the characters themselves, there's more reason for them to put that out. So I feel that there's that potential. So well, yeah, I, I think it's of, I think it's figuring. less likely that they're just going to finish those episodes and release them and more likely that they may just continue to repurpose stuff from those episodes and bring it into the Bad Batch. Because I don't know if you guys have noticed, but they've been doing that with a lot of these episodes 
um, where if you go back and look at like the the unused like or the concept art or the animatics or whatever from the unfinished Clone Wars episodes, there's a lot of that stuff that's shown up in the Bad Batch so far. For example, um, I think it was the episode where they run into Fennec Shand for the first time. Uh, that takes place on, I believe it's Pantora, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which that planet was supposed to be in, I think it was like the Ventress Dark Disciple episodes or like they had already done some, some more. And that planet was in Clone Wars like season three, but they were already going to, they were going to bring it back for, um, season like seven or eight. And so they reused that in Bad Batch, uh, when they go, you know, their base with Sid is on Ward Mantell. That was going to be in the Dark Maul Son of Dathomir episodes. Um, obviously the Hunter showdown with Cad Bane, they've repurposed the whole Boba scene. So um, and you know, like, obviously they went back and finished Clone Wars before diving into Bad Batch. And I think aside from the fact that like, you know, there was some very specific story stuff that they wanted to set up before Bad Batch and also just getting us, getting to give us a conclusion to Clone Wars. Like, I think the fact that they, they gave us those 12 episodes, but also Dave Filoni has also said that like, the reason that we're now doing Bad Batch is because fans wanted more of Clone Wars. Um, but just rather than keep doing Clone Wars for the rest of his life, I think he wanted to, you know, kind of wrap up what he was doing with George and then maybe like push it in a new direction or find some other avenue that they could keep using some more of those characters or assets or whatever. So um, long story short, I think I definitely think there's a chance we could see Boba and Cad Bane together um, and maybe get some reworked version of that story or get some kind of confrontation between the two of them. But I don't think they're ever going to go back and just finish those episodes and release them. I think if anything, they would sort of reuse some more of that stuff or yeah, reuse some of that stuff and incorporate it somehow into the bad batch or even into the book of Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was because about to go in there. <laughs> yeah. Cause Tamara Morrison did recently say that we're going to see some of Boba's previous life. And I think he specifically said like, what's he, what he's been up to in between like empire strikes back and where we see him in book of Boba. Um, but if they're going to show flashbacks to, to a younger Boba Fett or just see other time periods in his life, there's no reason to think that we couldn't go back even further to when he's younger and maybe see, uh, you know, if not, probably not an entire like flashback episode, but maybe either like a whole sequence or even just like a quick montage or something, um, of him training with Cad Bane or him fighting with Cad Bane or having that somehow be an integral part of his backstory that we could see in live action, which I also think would be really cool. So um yeah i i definitely think i don't i don't think that cad bane and boba story is off the table by any means i just don't think we're gonna get it in the form that they originally wanted to do with clone wars yeah i mean when cad bane showed up and then what we learned about omega her being pretty much boba's sister i kind of went crazy with speculation as far as how those those characters are going to tie into eventually meeting up with boba fett and just knowing that we're getting the live action series with Boba Fett. My mind went there and then my mind went to, is Boba Fett going to show up maybe in the season finale or just if we get more seasons of the Bad Batch, we'll deal more with Boba Fett and Cad Bane and Omega. I just think there's tons of possibilities they can go with that. That just has me super excited because right now I was at the point of thinking that even before Cad Bane showed up, I thought Bad Batch would be an opportunity for them to finish that story between Boba and Cad Bane just because that story didn't have to be set in the Clone Wars. It can be pretty much told anytime, not anytime, but kind of didn't have to be in the Clone Wars. It could be after it too, like just like where the Bad Batch is at. But now that Cad Bane has showed up, um, right now I'm kind of in the mindset that that event did happen and we're probably just going to get maybe snippets here and there, like key moments with Cad Bane and Boba 
maybe it is going to be in a Bad Batch feature story arc where Boba Fett's going to play a major role and maybe there'll be a flashback sequence where they do finish some of the animation for those sequences and they'll just kind of pick and choose here and there to what they want to use to tell like key moments of that story arc to flesh out Boba and Cat Bane's relationship. And then I'm even thinking too, going really bold <laughs> where you mentioned Kyle, where what if Cad Bane does show up in the book of Boba Fett and that's our opportunity to see the live action Cad Bane, which would be awesome. But then uh, we established, they established that Cad Bane did train Boba and going back to what you said about potentially seeing flashbacks, maybe that is an opportunity in a scenario we might see. And they do that, which would man, freaking blow my mind <laughs> if we got that bits of that story arc seen in live action, which would be something I never thought would happen. So there's tons of possibilities. I think it's possible. Yeah. And this is, I might be reaching a little bit here, but I don't know if you guys notice this, but in the episode uh, where Cad Bane has Omega and Omega's escaped her cell and she's kind of looking for her communicator and she's going through Cad Bane's things. Did you notice for like a second it focused on like a book that he had in his cabin or in his locker? There was nothing on it. It was just like a brown cover, but it looked like a book. And that made me think, hmm. could that be the book of Boba Fett or <laughs> somewhere if he did train him and that did happen? And whether we don't know what the book oh, of Boba Fett is, that what if it started very with Very interesting. And Cad I'll Bane go, has I'll it. I'll have to go moment. back and look at that again now because I didn't catch that. What if the, yeah, what if the book of Boba Fett really is like a – the reason why it's called the book of Boba Fett is because it's not just like a – um, it's not a linear story, but like it's going all over the place. Exactly. The yeah. mm-hmm. Now that would make a lot of sense because because I, I do think that the reason I think there's either potential those those coming into our, their own episodes, which I definitely think is still possible. I definitely love the idea of it becoming live action. I definitely think it's possible. I definitely think that there's I would not be shocked if they did that. There's something very interesting about that. Um, and it would be interesting and interesting thing for the audience. I think the audience has shown that like they can accept these animated characters in live action form. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of different ways I think they could do it. Now, again, I, I'm still not ruling out those episodes being just fully animated, being put in bad batch. I'm just saying it right there. I, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'm not betting against it either. So I'm going to leave it there, but there's a couple of different ways they could also do it. Now, let me throw this at you. Now, I love the idea of an anim- of, a, of a live action like version of that. So I, I'd prefer that over everything, quite honest. What about this? What if Cad Bane ends up taking Omega and training her at some point? Oh man, that would be. <laughs> I love some drastic stuff would have to happen for that to happen for her to leave the Bad Badge to go off with Cad Bane. Bad Badge some... got to go at some point. Yeah, I I, mean, I don't think that would have as much of just like a sort of an emotional purpose to the story. Like Cad Bane, tra- yeah. Cad Bane training Boba makes sense because they're both bounty hunters. Cad Bane knew Django. And so he kind of mm-hmm. has this investment in Boba to like, you know, get. he wants to try to train him to the point to be as good as his father was so he can prove once and for all. If but what if you only had there. her for a short period of time? Let's say, not saying like he had her for like a long time, but let's say like he had one of those things where they needed her, she needed to be protected and he needed to take her off somewhere. And then he ended up just taking her along with him. Like, so I can see something like that where she ends up on Tatooine and they end up with that whole thing of, against the Tusken Raiders and all that stuff. Like that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Like you can still repurpose those story ideas. Honest? And Go ahead. No, honestly, I kind of wouldn't want that to happen because I even if we don't see it, I still kind of want that to be Boba's history. Honestly. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, same 100%. here. 
but so and here's the one thing I'll add to why I think there's credence to potentially being live action. Because think about this, all those scenes for the most part, at least a lot of the stuff in inter, interplay between Boba Fett and, and Cad Bane, Tatooine. Yeah. Uh, let me tell you right That's now. That's true. They've already, they've already made Tatooine. Uh, it's pretty easy to film Tatooine, guys. You don't, <laughs> oh, a huge crew. You, you don't need a huge crew to uh, to do that. And you probably keep a Cad Bane, if, especially, especially with a CGI character or something like that or a costume character. You can probably keep it on the DL. And probably people working on the, the Mandalorian staff – they don't even know who the hell the Cad Bane is. They're probably like, oh, okay, whatever, it's just a blue alien and little <laughs> Boba Fett, you know? I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's not exactly going to be super IGD or Bosk. And even then, I remember saying, like, Bosk might be on set or whatever, and then, like, it ended up being just a random Trandoshan, which didn't even look like Bosk, to be quite honest. Um, so, with all that said, uh, I, I think there's, there's definitely a possibility there. So just kind of... I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I think it's it's a very good chance, though, too. I mean, this honestly, too, a lot like I just thought what we learned in these recent episodes just got me even more excited for the book of Boba Fett. Not necessarily because all these characters are definitely going to show up, but just knowing that I think there's a potential of exploring that as part of Boba's history, because that's another we're talking about Cad Bane. But I just it's going to happen, I think, at some point where Boba and Omega are going to meet. And just, again, what's that's going to do for him as a character and whether that's going to be in an episode of The Bad Batch or another thing I was thinking of, too. What if they don't meet up until the book of Boba Fett? Because I could totally see them to bringing Omega into live action as an adult in the book of Boba Fett. If that'll be a big focal point, whether if like meeting her for the first time all these many years later or even if they do meet in The Bad Batch. What if she just shows up again for a particular story or scenario where they're working together as brother and sister again, maybe when they haven't a long time. There's just, I think so many cool potential story possibilities now knowing that Boba or Omega is Boba's sister. And I liked how too, they refer to Boba first as the alpha. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. she's the Omega, obviously I just like that little detail they threw in for him too. So again, this little things is maybe even more excited for the book of Boba Fett and some of the potential uh, that we're going to learn more about Boba's history too. It is really cool stuff. Yeah, and, and I will say, I've, I've heard a lot of people speculating about that, potentially seeing Omega show up in the book of Boba Fett, which on the one hand, I could definitely see as a possibility, but I kind of don't want to see that happen, at least not yet, just because, again, I think it's safe to assume that the Bad Batch is going to run for multiple seasons, and to introduce this character at the beginning of the first season and then just get one season under your belt and then jump forward, you know, 30 or 40 years or whatever it is and show her as an adult. I just wouldn't want that to limit what they can do with the rest of this show to like intentionally have to try to set up stuff or have to line it up with wherever she is in um, Book of Boba Fett. Like, I don't think... I, I think it's safe to assume just because she's so like young and innocent and people love the character so much. I don't think she's going to get killed off. Um, no. And so it's not like her showing up in Book of Boba Fett would be like, oh, spoiler, she survives the Bad Batch. Um, but still, I think of like uh, Ahsoka, for example, and how like Clone Wars got canceled. So then they made Rebels and they had Ahsoka show up in Rebels. And then when they came back to finish the Clone Wars, it's like. That and obviously I'm not like complaining about this because it's just a product of the circumstances and you can't do anything to change it. And I'm just glad that we got the conclusion to Clone Wars that we did. But thinking of how much more 
tense that duel between her and Maul would have been if we didn't already know that they both survived and showed up in Rebels later. Um, and so just, again, even though even though we're not assuming that Omega's going to die, like anytime she's in peril, it would be like, oh, we know she's going to be fine because she shows up in Book of Boba Fett. Um, so I don't necessarily want right. to see that yet. Maybe, maybe a few seasons down the line or like maybe when Bad Batch ends, then they could put her into some other story. Um, but yeah, I don't want there to be like that big of a time jump, especially with such a new character. Like she doesn't need to be everywhere. Like Bad Batch is her show right now. And I think that's right. just special the way it is. Exactly. Well, and I, I want to say this for the record too. I kind of want Omega not to be oh, just, oh, I'm, I'm Boba Fett's sister. That's kind of my identity. Like, and I'm not saying like it's a part of her, you know, canon history now. And I think it's interesting. I think it's cool. But I don't want necessarily to just be like, you know, tit for tat kind of thing. Like, well, sure. now, you know, and again, I, I'm not saying they shouldn't meet or anything either. But what I do think, and I, and maybe I'm projecting a little here, and that's fine. Projecting is fine, I think, for the most part. Uh, one thing I think that I'm, I want to have happen is I, I kind of want Omega to be a little bit more of a her character to matter in a sense to where she's even bigger than Boba Fett. Like, and I know we don't, she doesn't. She doesn't, as we know, prove to be some kind of major player in like the end of the empire or even to the the rise of the um, of the first order and Kylo Ren and all of that. But let's let's give her something that's going to be a little bit more substantial, maybe, maybe behind the scenes and have her own kind of thing going on where she's kind of she's kind of taking care of business behind the scenes where people don't really know what's going on, but she's because she took care of it or. There, there's something else she's doing that will matter later on that she'll be a part of that could they, they can include her on. Like, like again, like the whole idea of cloning and having force user abilities. Like, like we talked about that idea before. And one of the things that I, that I've always liked, and I'm going to keep projecting on myself is the fact that, you know, the force chooses who, you know, it's kind of like the force goes to whoever is, is destined to have the abilities. And obviously Django and Boba aren't force users, but what if Omega is, what does that say for the force? What does that mean? You know, mm -hmm. what does it mean for cloning? I mean, those are interesting things that I think Omega represents and maybe she doesn't have any of those abilities. I don't think I agree with that. I think there's, there is something, there's something about her that makes her even more special. I think than Boba Fett in that regard. And I think that's where I want to see. And I think that's what I think makes her more is I think not, I don't want to see her connection to be only to Boba Fett and just be a part of, of the clone bad batch thing. I want her to start developing to like her mattering in a sense to where she becomes a more substantial player in the star Wars mythos in general. I'm not sure I do that knowing how things end both in the empire and with the first order, but maybe something along those lines. Like you still have that story of the Mandalorian and baby Yoda and you're kind of fitting that in everything and it still works. How can Omega fit into the greater world and universe? Maybe she goes to the unknown regions and, you know, raises hell over there. And yeah, I don't know. You, you get what I'm saying? Like I want, I want it to, I want it to be something more than just like, I'm just hanging out. My name's Omega. You know, I want, no, no, I mm -hmm. want her to like do something more substantial than just hang out with the bad batch. And then like, just kind of run off, you know, and do her, and just live on a planet by herself. And I, I, I agree with you. I, I think she, is going to end up being destined for something special. And I want to see that, but I think it's just going to take us a while to get there because she's so young now. Um, and like I said, maybe we get to a point where maybe the bad batch runs for three or four seasons. Uh, and you know, Omega is like a young teenager by the end of it. And then 
we go off from that and she shows up in a video game or another live action series or a movie or something where she is an adult later in the timeline and we see her as, I don't know, a, a soldier or a rebel agent or doing something important. Um, I think that would be really cool to see. I just don't, I think as of right now, it's kind of too early to like expect like, you know, it's like she's this nine-year-old kid exploring the galaxy for the first time and we're like, when is she going to do something really important in galaxy shaking? It's like, I don't, she's still learning how to freaking pick up dirt right no, now. No, you know? no, and like, Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying she will either. I'm, all I'm saying is I don't want her to be just tied to Boba Fett. I, and yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. curious. I want no, when and, she'll, yeah, go ahead. Well, and I don't, th- I don't think that's going to be the case either. I don't know if you guys are sort of on this train, but like, you know, we, at first we didn't know why the Kaminoans were after her. Then we find out it's because she is this, you know, perfect template of Jango Fett, just like Boba was. Um, and they just want her for her DNA. But I think there's more to her than just that. I don't think it's like, what's the deal with Omega? Oh, she's she's a, cl- a perfect clone of Jango, just like Boba. And that's it. Because they talk, they also talk about her being an enhanced clone, just like the Bad Batch. And if she's a perfect copy of Jango with no altered DNA, doesn't that kind of make her the opposite of an enhanced clone? Um so I think even though she doesn't have a chip and doesn't have that genetic modification and she doesn't age fast and all that kind of stuff, there still may she may have some kind of quote unquote defect, just like the Bad Batch that turns out to be some desirable trait. Um, and it could, you know, obviously a lot of people think speculate that she may be force sensitive or has some kind of, uh, you know, intuitive like intuitive power where she's like super smart and picks up on stuff quickly or you know because we've seen that. I mean, she could just be a naturally gifted kid. Um, so I, whatever it is, I think we're still going to find out that there is something more to this character. There's sort of something that makes her special or some unique aspect to her, aside from just the fact that the Kaminoans can use her DNA to make more clones or that she's, you know, a copy or sister of Boba Fett or whatever you want to call it. So I think there is something there that is going to make her more unique. And, and just because she's a, a copy of, or, you know, she shares the same DNA with Boba Fett. I, at least for me, I haven't been assuming like, oh, okay. So that's Boba Fett's sister. Like that's, that's the catch with this character. So I think, I think there's more to her than that, but also just, you know, her relationships with the Bad Batch and the stories that we've seen her in so far, I think that already is enough to make her stand stand on her own. Um, and obviously there's a lot of people that already love and appreciate this character and kind Agreed. of accept, accept her too. as her own thing. And so even as of right now, I don't think she's just seen as Boba Fett's sister, but I think we're going to learn no, no, more agreed. about her yeah. that, that separates her even more from that. So but I, I just want to see her. I, I'm curious of where she goes from the Bad Batch. Like whenever the series yeah. ends, that's where I'm curious where she goes. And I hope she does more than just like, all right. I'm good guys. Bye. You know, like, no, I hope, I hope there's, cause she's such a great character and I love what we've gotten. And they've done such a great job with the character and God, that bow is so freaking rad. She has, Oh my God. So, (laughs) so good. I mean, imagine, imagine Ezra, like have doing that with Ezra instead of having those super little slingshot. I'm going to stun you with a little blah, 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 blah. It's (laughs) Mm -hmm. like, wait, she's probably way younger than uh, Ezra and like far more deadlier and more awesome than he was at that age. It's, it's crazy. Like Ezra's supposed to be like, you know what? Teenager, early teen. She's like four years younger. Ezra's 14. Yeah. And she's like, what, eight years old and blowing people away with freaking like, uh, like energy bolts, like arrows. I mean, come on. It's, it's, it's ridiculous how rad she is. Hey, she's oh. a clone of Jango Fett, man. <laughs> oh, <laughs> stop it. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, I, I love Omega. 
and, and that's the thing. I think that's and that's the one thing I think that we all can agree on is the show's about Omega. She's a part of the Bad Batch, and that that's why you can kind of justify calling it the Bad Batch. But mm-hmm. I have no I have no problem admitting that. And I think because I think the Bad Batch are great. Um, but I think Omega is, is by far the is the the sole reason you make this series. This series is interesting because if you take her out of the equation, it's fun. It's just not the most engaging show in the world. You know, yeah, it doesn't have the weight that it does. Yeah, doesn't have right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you think, I think uh, if you do that, it's just not. It's a. It's not as good. And so obviously, I think she makes the show what it is, in my opinion. I, and honestly, I have no problem admitting that, saying that. And if, if she's the focus and everyone else is kind of like this, you know, propping her up, then give it to me twenty four seven and twice on Sundays. So I'm good. <laughs> Or Fridays. <laughs> <laughs> or Fridays, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, and I'm, I love her character so far. I mean, she's so, like, I love her just sort of, you know, sweet demeanor and, like, in her innocence. And, again, just seeing, getting to see, like, that wide-eyed wonder of her discovering the galaxy for the first time. Um, but I love how, like, she is, you know, as much as she's so... Uh, sort of new and unfamiliar with all of this, like she is skilled and she is useful and so like eager to help and be part of the team, but she's also not cocky. And I think yeah. that's, mm-hmm. I think that's what makes her such a likable character so far, especially for a kid. Like, cause I get that, you know, you want to have like a young kid that that young kids watching the show can connect with. And obviously they've done that before with, um, with Ezra and with Ahsoka. And I mean, I would say that Ahsoka is still my favorite character from star wars uh animation but if we're looking at just the way that the characters were introduced and if you compare omega this season to like um you know season one of like ahsoka and season one of clone wars and ezra and season one of rebels i think uh just based on those comparisons i think omega is far and away my favorite so far just in terms of like where these characters start out and how we're introduced to them and i think there were times with both ezra and ahsoka maybe just because they're a little bit older and especially ahsoka having you know jedi powers obviously where they would give them a lot of responsibility or they'd be in a situation where they're like cocky and they're like, Oh, I can handle this. And they charge in headfirst to fight general grievous or an inquisitor or something. It's like, no, like you're going to die. Like this person can kill you or like you're, you know, as even though you're, you're skilled and talented, like you're a kid and you don't know that yet. And obviously like those turned out, like some of those things turned out to be learning opportunities and, and, um, you know, good opportunities for character growth, which is part of why I think everybody loves Ahsoka so much. It's like, she kind of did start out as like bratty and annoying in season one of Clone Wars and watching her grow and mature and develop into a a more well-rounded character. Um, and someone who is powerful, but also knows her limits and, and has learned a lot along the way, um, is part of why that character is so beloved now. But I think Omega has like all of that sort of all of that earnestness without sort of the cocky brash, like I'm going to jeopardize the mission or disobey orders because I think I know everything. Um, she's very much like, no, I, I don't know everything. Like I I've never held a weapon before. or I've never been on a spaceship before, but like, please teach me how to do it because I want to help. Um, and, and I think that's very, uh, just makes her very likable. And, um, you know, I, I don't think there's been any moments so far this season where I've kind of like rolled my eyes at her or been like, oh, this kid's annoying. 
Um, even in times when she has snuck off on her own or like, like the episode where she tries to break them out with, uh, with the rancor, um, or the one where she like crawls down in the cave to, to get the, the dragon thing that like stole the battery from the ship. Um, in those moments, it feels like, you know, she can get in danger, but it doesn't feel like she's out of her depth. Like if it's something that involves sneaking around or crawling in a tight space, it's like, oh, this is what Omega is meant for. Like, this is her role on the team. Cause like the other guys couldn't do that. Um, so I think, I just think they've done a very good job, like writing scenarios where she can, where she can be useful and not feel, you know, overpowered or whatever. Um, and also just doing a good job of, of writing her character and kind of, having her know her limits and also trying to learn and grow and expand those limits, but not, um, you know, not doing it in a way that feels pushy or or brash or anything like that. So, um, and obviously like, you know, I'm not trying to be critical. Like I love Ahsoka and Ezra too, but I'm just saying like, you know, we, I think we all had our gripes with those characters initially and eventually came to love them. And I'm already loving Omega right off the bat. So I think they're just doing a fantastic job with that character. Yeah. It's kind of refreshing that that's the case with her because I was, Kind of a little bit concerned that that might have been a trope with Star Wars animated new characters <laughs> that would get introduced. Like you were talking about with Ahsoka Ezra, and even to like a lesser extent, Kaz. I mean, he was cocky, but he was a cocky, clumsy <laughs> guy. But Oh, God. Why did you bring up Kaz? <laughs> <laughs> but it was still that, that, like you said, that kind of going into that trope where we, I, we can do this. Nothing could stop us. Like, I could show you how I can handle this situation type of thing. And then, yeah, because it does when you does become kind of annoying when you see that kind of time and time again in certain episodes with those new characters that they introduce. But like you said, that hasn't been the case with Omega at all. And it, like I said, I find it to be refreshing that with this new character that they're introducing um, in this Star Wars series, it's something different than what we've seen before with other new characters that were introduced first. Yeah, I, I think Omega has really, I, I've said this before, even initially in the trailers, I I was like, okay, I'm into this. I like the idea of what they kind of gave with her. And they definitely hinted at she's not just going to be like, um, I'm so helpless, blah, blah, blah. Like that wasn't the impression that I got from that at all. And I love the way they portrayed in the trailer. And it only was solidified through the show. And I think that she's been a great – she's been a great character that's been well-written. And like you brought up, Kyle, they've really established to her not to be this obnoxious character – and that's really hard. Kid characters are really hard to get because you want to connect to like the kid audience and you have to be a little bit like a kid. And kids can be annoying sometimes. They're just like adults can be. But obviously, you know, kids can, you know, some adults don't like kids and don't want to even deal with kids. And and they see kids like, oh, God, kid characters, you know, and they don't want to see that. And Star Wars is for everyone. And, and, and it's really hard to kind of like bridge this bridge that gap because Look what happened to Ahsoka, Ezra, Kaz, and all that stuff. I mean, like, it, it's very evident. Like, it's hard to bring in these younger characters, even though Kaz was supposed to be, what, 20-something? And uh, Anyway, um, so my point is that Omega kind of, I think, has shown that you can create a kid character that's not obnoxious, is, you know, likable for kids, and also can make him not just be just the – I don't want to say damsel in distress, but, you know, kind of the helpless, you know, person where it's like, you're always getting into trouble. And you have to always save them. I mean, let's be real. That's what that's what a lot you would assume the kid character is going to do for the most part. And that's not the, the case with, with her. And she's great. And like you said, like it's you don't because she's not so brash. That does help. And I do love the fact that she is this character that's not just this, you know, 
obnoxious characters always get into trouble. She's learning. She wants to help. And she's not just going to get into trouble by doing it. She wants to, you know, do the right thing to an extent as well. So it's a little bit of a, a, a difference of, you know, kind of trope, if you will. Because right, like you said, Kyle, the trope is make them really, a, you know, they're a go-getter. Where she's more like, no, I'm going to, I want to sit back with my, with my, with my family. And I think it's really cool. So she's been a great character. And I think I, I like I said, I, I've already talked about this verbatim, but uh, I just want to see Omega become even bigger than what she is now because she's such a, a great character. And I'm not sure how they're going to do that necessarily, but let's hope it's uh, she, they've got some big plans for her in the future. Cause I love this character. Yeah, definitely. Um, and kind of like you were touching on too, like I, I am interested to see, what her role is in the future. Like if once the show wraps up, if she's going to be incorporated into any other shows down the line or we see her in live action or whatever. But for now I'm just enjoying watching her learn and grow and build relationships with the rest of the squad every week and, and, you know, just kind of find her place and, and become more of a part of the squad. So um, yeah, for now I'm just happy with where she's at. Um, but yeah, she's been a, a really fun character to watch and a great addition for the show. Um is there anything else in particular? I mean, we talked about Cad Bane. We talked about Omega. Oh, one thing I wanted to bring up with the Cad Bane episode too, the music in that scene was yeah. incredible. Like Kevin Kiner has been knocking it out of the park with this show. The music um, has been great for this whole season, man. Yeah, yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. Like the, the whole season in particular. But I think my favorite musical moment definitely was that showdown with Cad Bane where he just went real heavy on like the Western vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I <laughs> also thought so it was well. <laughs> I thought it was cool too. Like once, you know, once it goes into that scene where like they've got their hands on their guns and they're, they're facing off, it uses like he used like a motif that was kind of like Cad Bane's theme in Clone Wars. But again, like in, in, in Clone Wars, it just kind of sounded like star wars bounty hunter music whereas in this case it was it was the same melody but again he really went hard on the the old school western vibes of it and i was like man i want to like go back into clone wars and just like re-edit all of cad bane scenes with this music because that alone would have made it so much cooler um and he was already awesome might even enhance wars, evil so. plans <laughs> yeah that's that's very true that would uh, i mean as they say you can't polish a turd but uh, <laughs> you can make it more polished, I guess. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like it was, that was just a, a standout moment for me. Um, that was, uh, you know, just highlighted like an already really cool scene and a return of a cool character. But then the, that music just took it up to 11. Um, and I think, I feel like we might've talked about this on the last episode where he tweeted, actually, it's funny because the, the Twitter account that people sort of attribute to him is called like Kiner Brothers Music. And I guess it's actually his two sons who also work with him. Like they also have music credits on the show. Like, I guess they've got a, a music department or he's got a few people that work with him. He's yeah. just like the, the head composer. Um, so I think it's his two sons that run that Twitter account that were like, man, you know, we just worked on the you know, some cues or whatever for this uh, season finale of Bad Batch and it had us crying and everybody's like, oh crap, what's going to happen in the season finale? So um sure there's a lot more great musical moments to come for the rest of the show too. Yeah, but it's definitely been noticeable just I think how great the music has been, as you guys said, throughout the whole series. It just really stands out and even more so than Clone Wars to me, <laughs> if you were to ask me about music that Kevin Kiner has produced original ones that were in the early stages of Clone Wars compared to the first season of Bad Batch. It's just been a lot of great stuff that is 
are different, but yet fits the episodes and the visuals so perfectly. So yeah, I think the music's been a real standout on the series as well. Yeah. Well, I, I, think, I think a part of that is too, because George really wanted Kevin and whatever he was working on with him to focus on new sounds and things for star Wars, where I think is once, you know, George left, he wanted cause he wanted to use more traditional uh, sounds and, and cues from the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy, but George wanted him to kind of go his own way, which I think is good. But I think that Kevin, now that he has complete freedom, essentially to kind of do what he wants and, and whoever's been working with them, the season seven was incredible. That's of that music. But I really think that, uh, and rebels was good too. And I, I, but it didn't, the bad batch stands out more to me than, than the rebels music. If that makes any sense. For whatever reason, the bad batch music is, is just firing all cylinders. It, it's both doing what George wants, but also also incorporating lots of cues from original trilogy or just star Wars cues in general, which I love. So I'm curious if you guys would agree with that by chance. <laughs> Um, see, I don't know if, cause you're right. Like, you know, they're, they, I think they were very intentional in Clone Wars to like only use cues from the movies in specific instances where they really wanted to have it be that callback. Um, but they haven't been doing that a lot on Bad Batch either. So I don't think that's the difference. I think it's maybe just his experience at this point with playing around in the Star Wars universe. Um, if anything, I would say the music in Bad Batch is even more different um, and sort of outside of the confines of like familiar Star Wars music, because we're not really playing with like familiar uh, characters or events. Anymore. Yeah, I think it's a combination um, of both. Like, like I, I definitely agree with that. The, the music they have in general has just been great, but it stands out more to me than even Rebels, which was Kevin Kiner. Yeah, no, no, no. But I'm saying in in both Clone Wars and Rebels, they did use like familiar cues from the movies. They'd use like the Rebel Alliance theme or the Imperial theme sure, or the Force sure. theme or whatever. They just would use it sparingly um, when you had a moment that, you know, you really wanted to have that that connection. Whereas Bad Batch hasn't really used any of that stuff. If, I, if I'm recalling so far, I mean, I don't think we've even heard like the Imperial March yet um, used in conjunction with the Imperials, but like you have no Jedi, so there's not going to be any Force theme. We don't have a Rebel Alliance yet. So, you know, there's no... Uh, you know, rebel music or whatever. And, you know, you, you just don't have like the big uh, sort of the main big name heroes like Anakin and Obi-Wan and Yoda that we've seen from the movies. And so it's like, there's almost even more freedom to just kind of create your own sound because um, we're in kind of this uncharted territory. Um, so that's kind of how I see it, but I, I still think he's just been doing a fantastic job with it. Um, I will say, you know, Tim, you, I think you were the one saying that you like this music even more so than Clone Wars so far. And I will say, I think with Clone Wars, because you're right, like, especially in the the first couple seasons, there was this thing where it's like, oh, we'd go to different planets and every planet we want to have like a new kind of like ethnic sounding music that's distinct to that planet or whatever. And some of those were kind of hit or miss. Sometimes it felt a little off putting or like it, it didn't really feel like Star Wars music. Um, but some of the main themes and cues that he developed for Clone Wars, like Ahsoka's theme and like the clone theme and stuff like that, yeah. I think those are still some of my favorites out of, you know, all the work that he's done. Um, and obviously the Bad Batch has a really cool theme too, but I think it's the more original stuff or just the, you know, the, the action cues or the emotional cues or whatever that are not necessarily like a main theme, but um, music that just sort of is written to fit that moment. I think that's the stuff that they've really been um knocking out of the park here with bad batch and then of course every once in a while throwing in some like a really cool throwback like cad bane's theme but uh you know written like it's in the good the good the bad and the ugly so um yeah just all around phenomenal job there by the music team 
Yeah, totally agree. Um, but aside from that, was there any any other uh, anything else in particular that you guys wanted to talk about? Any aspects of the show so far that you're really enjoying that we haven't really touched on yet? What was the name of the the rancor? Moochie was that Moochie? Moochie, so cute. I love Moochie. I think I know Canon's loose now <laughs> from things that have been told in books and stories, but. As of right now, that technically shouldn't be the same rancor we see in Return of the Jedi. And I think that's a yeah. good thing because after oh, we yeah, saw Gucci, yeah, we, we don't want her. We don't want anything bad to happen that to yeah. well, if anything, no, in Book of, in anything, If anything, in Book of Boba Fett, we could find out that Jabba was keeping multiple rancors and Muji's still alive Ooh, and that she could be okay, Boba's rancor now. Okay, oh, okay, man. Okay. Boba Fett riding a rancor in live action, man. Heck <laughs> How cool yeah. That look? <laughs> what, so what they say? what they say about. Uh, how come it's not Moochie? What, what's their explanation for that? I forget what story it is, but they're technically in canon. I forget what book, but there is a story told of how Bid Fortuna got the Rancor to Jabba, and that was the male Rancor, and Moochie's the female one. So Yeah, that one also, Wait a minute. The, the one in Return of the Jedi already has a name. Again, I don't know if that's canon or you know where that comes from, but it's named something else. That's, that's good. See, this is good. But Moochie, yeah. that whole... Also, by the way, the whole I, I, that episode might be my favorite just because I thought it was so ridiculous. And also, it's where, where Omega gets her rad bow thing. Um, one thing I loved about it was Moochie's Rancor sounds were like altered, so they they were the same sounds but like babified, babified yeah. <laughs> essentially. Like they're like like, ah! like, so they, 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 like whatever, whoever did the sound for which I'm assuming it was the same like you know same people. Um, like, uh, what's his name? Oh my God. Matt Wood. Uh, Matt Wood. Yeah. Matt Wood and the other guy. I forgot David Acor. Yeah. Yeah. Those guys, they did a phenomenal job of making that Rancor sound. It, it's the exact same sounds, but just, they modified it so beautifully. It's, it is so perfectly done. Like I just, I, every time like it, it, the Moochie would go, I'm like, oh. <laughs> like, it sounded so perfect. Like it's obviously the same exact sounds from Return of the Jedi, but they just modified it. It's beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> I guess talking about favorite episodes, I know uh, Kyle, you mentioned your favorite one is reunion with Cad Bane showing up. And so would you say the Rancor one is your favorite, Paul? Or I would say that one um, is, is I love that episode, but I think my my favorite might be the the one with Cad Bane and um and Fennec Chan, just mm. the, I think the aesthetic, everything was really well written and beautifully shot. And the animation was a great, it was a good episode. It was, it was, and it wasn't just focused on the bad batch. We got to get, we got to see, you know, other characters kind of take the forefront, which I really liked, which I love the bad batch now, but it was cool to kind of seeing them in a different light in a different way. No. Yeah, I agree. I think before that, my favorite one was probably battle scars with Rex and just seeing him telling them how they had to remove their inhibitor chips. Oh, I loved all that stuff. That was great. But I think now right now, bounty lost is probably my favorite episode for the reasons you've said. And just for the revelations we've got with Omega being an exact clone of Django and knowing that there are two of them now to, to go along with Boba and Omega. This is I getting love out that. of hand. Yeah. <laughs> now there are two of them. Uh, another perfect reference delivered by Kyle. <laughs> and then also too, I mentioned this earlier, the learning about more about the history of the Kaminoans and their early cloning stages. I love that. Um, getting to see an abandoned cloning facility, then actually seeing a clone still in the tube when Omega uh, trapped Fennec Shand real quick to make her escape. And we see, I'm pretty sure that was a Kaminoan. This kind of so, maybe yeah. being like 
the first experiments of cloning on themselves. And if that was maybe the first batch that they ever did, just visually, it was pretty much like a visual history of the Kaminoans and their cloning facilities. I loved all that stuff. Just adding more lore to them because Kamino is my favorite Star Wars planet. <laughs> and being the clone, the clones and where they came from, just, I eat all that stuff up. So getting more uh, insight into that, I thought was really cool. Really cool. And just like you said, Paul, the fight between Fennec Shand and Cad Bane made for some entertaining action. It looked beautiful. So throw in all that stuff. It was just great. So I would probably have to say Bounty Loss is my favorite right now. Nice. Um, yeah, that one, I mean, that one was cool too, just seeing more of Cad Bane in action. I was kind of, see, it was like, I was rooting for him to beat Fennec, but like, you know, he's not going to cause, or at least, you know, he, she, he wasn't going to kill her cause she shows up later in Mandalorian and stuff. And I was just like, all right, well, if Fennec's going to win, I'm at least hoping that Cad Bane survives this. And he did. So, um, were you a little like, concerned where she threw him off <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Um, in fact, you know, I also feel like, like, I know people have been liking this show a lot, but like it, it, I feel like it doesn't quite have like the hype level of like the Mandalorian and there haven't been as many like big surprising reveals every Mm -hmm. episode. And so I'm usually not as adverse to like spoilers. Like, I feel like, I feel like people haven't been posting as many spoilers and talking about stuff. Um, which is why I texted you guys after I watched the uh, the reunion episode for the first time. It was like, oh, okay, wait, be careful of spoilers on this one because we had no idea Cad Bane was going to show up. But aside from that, you know, it's like I don't usually see people talking about it too much aside from like, oh, this episode was cool or I like seeing the, the dynamic between the squad every week and stuff like that. So, um, So I'm usually not like trying to stay off Twitter all day until I watch it. And that for that episode in particular, I saw somebody that I follow was like, man, this week's episode, they did Cad Bane dirty. And I was like, oh, crap, I hope he doesn't get killed by Fennec. Like, hopefully that at least just means that, like, Fennec beats him and Omega gets away. But the whole episode, because of that, I was just watching him like, don't kill Cad Bane, don't kill Cad Bane. So I was just mad. I, I was glad that he made it out of the episode alive. Yeah, it just made, it made sense where she kind of had the upper hand because in Mandalorian, I mean, she has like a reputation of being like one of the best bounty hunters and a ruthless bounty hunter because you know she has skill. Oh, even yeah. though this is kind of early in her career as a bounty hunter, she's still showing that skill. And Ken Bain's probably kind of an older bounty hunter too, so maybe he lost a step or two there. But but he got some good hits in there as well. But the fight, yeah. but I didn't think that all oh, Cad Bane was done dirty or anything like that here. I thought yeah, it made sense I, for how it all happened. I didn't either. I know some people were mad, like, oh, Fennec shouldn't be able to beat him because she's like young and new and everything. But it's like she's got to establish her reputation at some point. We know she's mm-hmm. one of the best and all the best have to start somewhere. Um, and also, too, like she used a lot of traps and, you know, kind of used the terrain to her advantage. And, you know, she was hiding in the smoke and setting bombs and stuff like that. So she obviously is uh, she's very crafty and can maybe outwit Bane. But like in a straight one to one gunfight, like if it was her instead of Hunter in the, the shootout, I still think Bane would have won. Um, On a side note, too, little sad that we lost Chuan Wei in this episode, too. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> Um, which was funny to see her come back, like after all the Camino and stuff we saw in Clone yeah. Wars. I don't think we had never. I was seen like, oh, her cool, before. she's back. Yeah, and, and then, then she gets gone. gone now. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that that was another like cool twist in that episode, and I'm I'm really interested to see. I mean, I think we have a good idea of it by now, of like what the Kaminoans are up to. Again, they just want Omega. They want to make their own clones and fight back against the Empire. And I don't know if, like, I doubt the Kaminoans are gonna be like part of the rebellion or whatever. Like, they they're not noble. Um, they're kind of just looking out for themselves. And it's like, hey, we had this deal with the Empire. Now they're trying to cut us out. 
to uh, just, you know, conscript these stormtroopers. And it's, you know, it's just kind of like, oh, we'll show them or like we're going to have our own clone army and kind of kick them off Camino or, or whatever. But it, I'll be interested to see like what their sort of ultimate goal with all this is. Um, and if they maybe have other motives for wanting to fight the Empire, but uh, it definitely seems like the two of them are going to end up at odds at some point because um, the Kaminoans definitely seem to have you know their own agenda and, and stuff that they're hiding from the Empire. So interested to see where all that goes. Um, but yeah, I mean, aside from that, it's just, uh, you know, it's great having a new Star Wars show every week. And, um, like I said, it's, I'm, I'm loving that this is kind of more of that rebel structure of like keeping one group of characters. And, um, even if it's a bit of a slow burn, like just getting to see the dynamic, uh, grow and evolve and get little bits of character development for each of these characters, like over the weeks. Um, and going back to what we were talking about earlier, like, I, I definitely don't think we have a need for like a dedicated, uh, you know, a, a hunter episode or a tech episode. Um, if anything, maybe a, a crosshair episode just to see what he's up to with the empire. Um, but I think just because like, obviously these guys are all individual characters, but they work so well as a group. Um, I don't know, obviously the show is called the bad batch. And even in clone wars, like you, you would have episodes that were maybe mainly focused on like Anakin or Ahsoka or Obi-Wan, but even with the clone centric episodes, we never had one that was just focused on Rex or fives. Like you maybe had an arc where one character would kind of take center stage, like the order 66 arc, um, in, uh, season six, like fives is obviously the main character in that, but Rex is still in it. There's a lot of other, clone, you know, Tup and, um, there's a lot of other clones involved too. And so I think what makes these guys interesting is like, you don't need to, uh, take, you know, one clone trooper and just have a whole story based around them. I think what makes them interesting is seeing all of them together as a group and how they look identical, but then seeing their relationships with each other and seeing the subtle differences between each one of them. Um, and so, yeah, I think what, what makes the bad batch interesting is just the whole squad dynamic and, um, you know, getting to see each one of them get their moments to shine and um, seeing their relationships with each other. And so I don't think we necessarily need to like go all in on, and you know, they, they've all been through a lot of the same stuff. So it's not like we're going to have a tech episode where we find out that he has some tragic backstory or something like that. Yeah, so, that's true. <laughs> um, I think the structure is just, uh, you know, is working really effectively and um, yeah. Can't wait to see what other great stories they've got in store for the rest of the season. Same. I think it's only going to be better for in these next five episodes that we get that finale. So strap yourselves yeah. in. <laughs> Don't we have six episodes left? Oh, yeah, that's right. We're on yeah, episode so. 10. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. We just had episode 10 and there's 16 for the season. So even better. Um, so. <laughs> I, mean, it, it, I think it's been really awesome that uh, Bad Batch has been successful as, as it is because now, I mean, the fact that Marvel is kind of solidifying that Wednesday is going to be a drop day for you know shows and things like that star wars might stay on fridays which is awesome for me because i love star i love star wars friday friday drops but also mm. bummer for me because marvel is on wednesdays and i really hate that for my marvel podcasting but regardless um it also is showing you the fact that the bad batch has been strong enough to where they want to probably keep putting this out and i really hope that with visions and with the other animated show or with bad batch. I hope we get more animated shows or with the animated movie coming out. I want more animated stuff. I, if, because I have live action is expensive and it's a lot of work, et cetera, et cetera. Animation is a lot of work too, but it's a lot quicker turnaround. I really want more animated stuff for star Wars. I, it's just such a great, perfect medium for it. And 
I just love it. I just love to get more stuff like the Bad Batch. That's besides the Bad Batch, right? I mean, give me more like a post Rise of Skywalker uh, rage. <laughs> but anyway, that's a whole different thing. But you get what I'm saying. I, I want yeah. more. A lot more animated content because it really does fit this medium so perfect. I mean, I dude, give me a High Republic animated show, man. I mean, come on. I mean, the Clone Wars in style, if the High Republic stories, ugh, give it to me tomorrow. Seriously. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. We'll have to see. Like, on the one hand, I kind of like having one animated series at a time that they can really pour all their resources into, especially if it's going to be something that's as high quality in the animation and stuff as the Bad Batch. Um, and it's interesting because you, you mentioned like animation having a quicker turnaround time. I don't think that's necessarily the case, especially for at least for this show and like Clone Wars, because Clone Wars, we know like they were working on episodes like three years in advance. Um, and with the Bad Batch, I don't know exactly what their timetable is like, but like, you know, we just had Fennec Shan show up for the first time. And in the episode guide, they had concept art where, uh, they, you know, it was marked from like two years ago. Um, so obviously this stuff takes a long time too, which also means we have no idea what they could already have in the pipeline right now that we might be seeing two or three years down the line in addition to, uh, you know, more Bad Batch. But, um, yeah, I love this stuff. Just, you know, like I was saying earlier, I think the possibilities are wide open with Disney plus that, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see like five, 10 years from now, like, are we just going to be on another animated series or will we have three going on at the same time and what kind of live action stuff will we be getting and and all that um and you know i don't want to get too greedy and be like oh give me three more shows that are the same level of quality as the bad batch and have them all running at the same time or all you know spread out throughout the year but if we did get that that would be awesome but um for now i'm just i'm you know really enjoying getting this stuff and uh, looking forward to all the stuff we've got coming up in the future um but I think uh, we've pretty much wrapped up all our thoughts as far as what we've got um, for right now. Um, before we head out, Tim, uh, did you put out any like questions on social media or anything like that? I saw one that you put out from like a few weeks ago because um, it's been so long that we've recorded. Yeah. And asked, asked how people were feeling about the Bad Batch halfway through the season. But uh, was anybody else chiming in on this stuff? Yes, I did put a question out for once we hit the official halfway point, what everyone's thought of the series so far. So we got a couple of responses. Um, first from on Twitter, John Connor says he loves it and hope they do a season two, which hopefully uh, they do as well. And right now we're kind of leaning towards that will be the case. So uh, I don't think you have to worry about that too much. And then Kid Kenobi says, absolutely loving it so far. It has kept me guessing each week and I can't wait to see what awesome story they have planned for the season finale and what direction the show um, will co will go in the upcoming seasons. And then I was just curious as we were talking about um, with Omega maybe showing up in the book of Boba Fett or Boba Fett showing up in the Bad Batch. I wanted to see what other sides. So I put a poll out um, what people thought might be the case. And so at 52 percent coming in first was that people think um, Boba Fett's going to or both's going to happen where Boba shows up in the Bad Batch and Omega shows up in the book of Boba Fett. And then. And second, at 36% think Boba will be in the Bad Batch, and only 12 thinks that Omega will just show up in the Book of Boba. But if both happens, I mean, I'd be all for that. So <laughs> we'll see uh, what plays out down the line. But going back to our discussions earlier, I think that you made a good point, Kyle, what it probably will be best if she does show up in the Book of Boba Fett, that it's maybe a few seasons into the series run, which hopefully it has multiple seasons. So <laughs> we'll have to see. But I think it's something that uh, has strong potential to happen down the road. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Because I feel like 
I mean, I'm kind of going off the assumption that the book of Boba Fett might just be one season. And I forget where I, I, I think I saw on Twitter or something. I don't know if this was somebody that had like an inside source or whatever, but I saw something that like somebody in an interview, I should mark this so I can, you know, reference it better. But someone had said that like book of Boba Fett is basically like Mandalorian season 2.5. Um, yeah, I did see something like that too. Yeah. And so that made me think that maybe this is just a one-off thing that ties into the overall Mandalorian story more than we're thinking. And that it's not going to be like it's separate own ongoing Boba Fett show, which would make sense. Cause then Boba can still kind of come in and out of like the Mandalorian stories. Um, regardless, I mean, even if it is just one season, um, you know, that's obviously not the last time we're going to see Boba Fett unless he gets killed off at the end or something. But I think we're going to keep <laughs> using that so. character a lot. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely think it would be cool to see Omega in live action at some point. Um, and I definitely want to see her and Boba together at some point. But, yeah, I, I don't I'm hoping that we don't see her in this upcoming season of Book of Boba Fett just because I want them to have more freedom to take her in whatever direction they want in Bad Batch before jumping her off into other stuff. But um, anyway, thanks to uh, those of you who chimed in on social media. It's always glad to hear your thoughts. Um, and uh, good to be back talking Star Wars with you guys. Um, I promise yes. it won't be another month and a half before we record again. I, I guess I shouldn't make promises because you never know. Um, it, we, we didn't record for a while just because there was not really any news to talk about. Uh, but then we've been trying to get on and record for the past couple of weeks and we've just had all kinds of scheduling issues. So we finally got on today. Uh, but we do have uh, later this month, um, like I said, EA Play Live is coming up. So hopefully we'll get some Star Wars video game news that we can jump back on and talk about. Um, of course, if we get any other big news or announcements in the meantime, we'll jump on and talk about that. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get back on at the end of the season, too, and talk about our thoughts to wrap up uh, the Bad Batch once we've seen where this whole season goes. Um but yeah, look forward to talking with you guys more. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. As always, uh, if you want to reach out to us on social media, you can follow us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC. Uh, check out our website at StarWarsTSC.com. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Star Wars The Saga Continues. And if you want to send us email, you can do that at StarWarsTSC at gmail.com. Um, but uh, yeah, that's going to do it for now. Thank you guys all for listening. We will see you next time and may the force be with you. See you next time, everybody. Cut speed, Rebels.